what a Nystrom. Nystrom's really getting some good right hands in. Gillies is down with Sandstrom. Somebody better help Sandstrom. Everyone must be held accountable for their actions. You cannot see your star carried out in a stretcher and do nothing about it. Oh my, did Mick plant one on C-card. Wow. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. The spinning, spinning, who's he going to go after? The puck drop, the puck Just a minute, Al Arbor has won four Stanley Cups, so don't start telling Al Arbor what to do, you and John Davison. This is Coliseum Chronicles, The Penalty Box, your source for Islanders Enforcer Talk. Welcome back to the show, folks. Uh, I'm very happy that you've decided to join me today. If you're a returning listener, as always, thank you very much for coming back. It means I must be doing something right, or it means that you just like looking at uh, train wrecks. I don't know, or listening to train wrecks, either one. But uh, I'd like to think that maybe I'm doing something right here and that you've decided to come back and give it a listen. And if you're a first-time listener... As always, I say every episode, welcome aboard. I hope you enjoy the ride. Uh, today, I have a really great interview with Ben Olsen. The The interviews are the nuts and bolts of the show. I do sometimes put out content solo episodes, but uh, my favorite episodes are those where I get to interview a former or current player. And like I said, today, uh, I have a, a really great interview with Ben Olsen coming your way. So, Welcome to episode 57, actual episode 74. If you wouldn't mind, uh, whatever platform you're listening to this on, can you hit that subscribe button, hit the like button, and uh, if you have a second, could you please rate and review the show? Subscription is free, so why wouldn't you do it? Um, basically, the advantages of being a subscriber, you don't ever have to go look for this program again. It will just pop up in your feed. I know for the shows that I subscribe to, I know the days they come out, and uh, sometimes they come out a day later, or they do uh, bonus episodes, and I open up my iTunes, and uh, there they are. So you never have to search for this program again. It will just pop up in your feed. So hit that subscribe button, please. And also, if you can like, rate, or review the show, or all three, uh, it gives the show greater visibility. Uh, as my, my buddy Darren up at Saskatoon, host of the Fourth Line Voice podcast, says, we are the mom and pop shows uh, in terms of listenership or whatever, although he does he does chart pretty high. Uh, you know, we're not the bigger name podcast. We don't have the, the big name sponsors. We don't have uh, alcohol named after us, whatever it is. But um, any, any type of help promoting the show is uh, definitely appreciated. And when you subscribe and like and review the show, it just, uh, I guess I pop up into uh, more searches for hockey or hockey fights or Islanders, whatever it is. So it takes a second. If you wouldn't mind doing that, uh, it would be greatly appreciated. If you are on social media, I have two Twitter accounts. My personal Twitter account is at Joe underscore Lozito. And the Twitter account for the show is at Kali Sin Bin Pod. Um, 
I'm going to repeat myself. I've probably done it all 74 episodes. Uh, I'm not one of those experts uh, that are, I'm I'm not an expert in politics. I'm not a disease expert. And, uh, you know, I try to keep everything light on my social media, my personal social media page. It's all goofy shit, something to make you laugh or whatever. Uh, And the uh, Twitter account for the show is all Islander organizational enforcer related items, photos, fight videos, birthdays, um, countdowns, things like that, uh, stats, all, all things like that. So if you are a listener to the show, uh, I would definitely say if you're going to follow one of my social media accounts, probably the Kali Sinbin pod because uh, it's geared more towards the content of the show. Similarly, on Facebook, facebook.com, Coliseum Chronicles podcast, and Instagram, Coliseum underscore Chronicles underscore podcast. Same thing on Facebook and uh, Instagram, Islander Organizational Enforcer Goodies. So I know not everybody is on all of the social media platforms. If you're on one, if you're on all, give me a follow, give me a like. I'll do the same if you have anything that you are trying to promote or if it's just your personal accounts, uh, we can definitely help each other out. Here on Long Island, lately, it's been sweltering, sweltering, kind of uh, sweltering where you're hot, you take a shower, you get out of the shower, and you start sweating again. There's a way to beat the heat. Go to my merchandise store. You can easily access it or access it by scrolling down very little on the episode description of this very episode, and you will see two links for Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box merchandise. And when you when you go to those sites, tank tops, men, women, pineapples, gingerbread cookies, whatever it is, whatever you are, there's a tank top there for you. Um, there's t-shirts, onesies. You have a baby, you want the, you know, you have them put them in the onesie, have them run around the backyard. Everything in there to help you keep cool. And if you want to prepare for the winter, there's sweatshirts, there's hoodies, there's leggings, totes, socks. Anything you need is in the Coliseum Chronicles, the Penalty Box podcast store. Like I said, you don't even have to search for it. Just scroll down a little bit, click the link, and you're there. Every week, there is a listener-exclusive discount. I do not promote these online. It is strictly for the listeners. And this week's listener exclusive discount is Ben twenty, B E N N two zero Ben twenty. Use code Ben twenty at checkout for any of the items in either of the merchandise stores, and you will get twenty percent off your entire order. So get to that. You look really good. And think about it: with my face on you, it can only make you better looking. I mean, it's a win-win. You stay cooler. And you're better looking. I mean, it writes itself. When you go to those merchandise stores, and I just talked about the logo and my face, the reason why I'm so pumped about my merchandise, and and if you've been on my social media or, or whatever it is for the show, you've seen the logo. The logo was done by local Long Island artist Joe Marisich. Joe Marisich is available for hire for all your art projects. You can do a lot worse than Joe Marisich. Not sure you can do better, though. You can reach Joe on Twitter at GraphicsJoker or at LoudEgg.com. If you are an Islanders fan, a Jets fan, a Mets fan, you have seen Joe's artwork. He he even does uh, sports radio uh, art for some of these guys. Um, 
on WFAN and ESPN here. So you've seen his stuff. You know he brings the goods. And, um, yeah, so definitely hook up with Joe. He's a really cool guy, and he's ultra super talented. So uh, so definitely hook up with him if you have any project needs. A couple other shows I would like to talk about, as I normally do. The aforementioned Darren from the Fourth Line Voice podcast. Darren, <clears throat> excuse me, proud member of the Hockey Podcast Network. He does two shows a week. He does a show on Wednesdays, which uh, is his interview show. He does a show on Sundays, which I call the Sunday Shit Show. Basically, Darren stares out of his window and rants about the happenings of the week in the world of hockey, maybe in the world in general, and many times social media. And that gives him a whole lot of material because, as you know, social media can be a cesspool at times. This past Wednesday, Darren had Steve from when Probert was king.com discussing Darren's fifth annual Bob Probert Invitational Twitter tournament. I'm sure if you listen to this show, you are, are a fan of Darren and you've seen his uh, Bob Probert Invitational to tournaments. I did a similar tournament last year with just Islander Enforcers, and uh, it was kind of hijacked by the, uh, the Ross Johnston brig- uh, Brigade. And, um, you know, Ross Johnston won the tournament. I don't think uh, Ross Johnston would even agree that, uh, you know, with the guys that he went through, I don't know if Ross Johnston would agree with running the gamut there. But uh, if you remember the tournament that I did, Darren has been doing uh, uh, tournaments like that for five years or so. And he's done this Bob Probert Invitational for five years. And um, it's 64 of the toughest guys ever and uh, head-to-head matchups. Uh, I would say the cool thing with the tournament is Darren really likes to be interactive with the fans. So um, Steve is always one of the guys where he'll he'll comment under the matchup, give his opinions. And uh, what Darren really likes, if you don't mind, uh, look at the brackets and then ask him why certain guys aren't in it because he loves explaining that stuff. And um, it would be great. Like if you have a fighter in there that you think deserves to be in there, or even if you don't think, he deserves to be in there. Just ask him why he's not in there because uh, he really does enjoy interacting with people questioning his uh, his methods of picking the 64 guys. So definitely, it's definitely worth it. Take the time out of your day. Hit him up on Twitter. Ask him why certain guys aren't in there. He loves that stuff. But the episode on Wednesday was really good. He went through the entire first round. Uh, Steve is very detailed. He, he has a memory like an elephant for this stuff. And uh, and it was a great episode. So, I mean, all of the episodes are great. It's, uh, it's a podcast I never miss. It's the first one I listen to on the days that it comes out. And uh, it's definitely... You know, subscribe to his show, man, because uh, because it's great stuff. And uh, obviously, similar to me, I enjoy doing my interviews uh, better than the solo episodes. Darren's solo episodes are definitely worth the price of admission because, uh, especially if you're around our age, and he's not as old as I am, uh, but he does have uh, angry old man qualities about him, and it just makes me laugh. So I really look forward to the Sunday episodes. Uh, so definitely check out his Wednesday episode, check out his back catalog and, uh, definitely go to his, uh, Twitter page, fourth line voice on Twitter. Uh, I believe it was probably about an hour ago. He, uh, he released the voting for the, uh, the second bracket 
of the opening four brackets. Uh, first bracket was yesterday. Today's the second bracket. I believe you have 24 hours to vote. So, uh, so definitely get there, vote. And uh, like I said, chat him up on why he didn't put some guys in there. Uh, also, if you enjoy watching a good scrap or two, you're going to go to YouTube and do it. And chances are, if you have watched a hockey fight on YouTube, it was on the Fourth Line Voice YouTube channel. Over 2,500 fights now, I think, or 2,600. Uh, all teams, all leagues, uh, every player you could imagine. Uh, some big-name guys, some lesser-known guys. And um, you know, maybe you even have friends that are on there. So I would definitely, uh, definitely check out the fourth line voice YouTube channel as well. Ladies and gentlemen, the long rumored return of the five for fighting podcast actually dropped this week. Uh, And now I guess it's, I guess he's so anxious. Apparently he did a live show last night on Facebook. He went live on the enforcer appreciation page. That's two shows in one week for this guy. He took a, couple of month hiatus, uh, real life stuff, uh, sorting things out, all good stuff, relocation, wife got a promotion, <coughs> excuse me, so, uh, <coughs> excuse me, all good stuff for Alec down in Fort Myers, but yes, the Five for Fighting podcast returned. Give it a listen. It gives you uh, a rundown of uh, what's been going on in his life, and um, it's it's good. It's good to catch up. And so for me, I feel like a proud dad because a lot of people in Alex's generation are chuckleheads, and uh, Alec really is. Uh, he's an old soul when it comes to hockey and hockey fights, and it's good to hear a kid in his early twenties uh, really have a passion for it, like Alec does, and. Similar to Darren, his back catalog is uh, is exquisite. A lot of really big names on there. Definitely uh, check out his back catalog. Give his uh, return episode a listen. And uh, I think this week on Wednesday or Tuesday, he is releasing the uh, live episode he did last night on Facebook. So I was actually interviewing Ben Olson, I think, at the time when he did that. I had no idea he was going live, so I'm going to check that out on Wednesday. Check out the Enforcer Appreciation page. That is the page where Alec went live. So 13,000, 14,000 members. Uh, definitely uh, enjoy it. Um, <laughs> so that's where Darren gets a lot of his material from for his uh, Sunday shit show. So, you know, most of the people there are cool. But, uh, you know, you get some guys on there that I think are just there to troll. And, I mean, hey, it's Facebook. What are you going to do? But uh, but definitely uh, give that a follow. Give it a like. And, uh, you know, you get some enjoyment out of it. But uh, but definitely, you know, like that page. Follow the Fight for Fighting podcast. Give them a listen. Great stuff. Welcome back, kid. We missed you. And uh, it's good to have you back in the fold. Now, my buddy Bobby Longgrass, first of all, congratulations to Bobby and his wife, uh, he, he sent down word to me this week that he is, uh, they are expecting their second child. He's got a beautiful daughter right now. Uh, he's, they're expecting their second child. I'm not sure when, but, um, you know, really, really congratulations to both of you. It's uh, wonderful news. Bobby is the host of the Bucket Drop podcast. Uh, he was, it took a couple of weeks off. He released an episode this week, sort of a post-mortem to the, uh, 
playoffs. He's a Canadians fan, so it was a good run for the Canadians. And uh, I believe he wants to do another episode before the expansion draft with uh, different people talking about their team's protected, unprotected list. Uh, he had reached out to me to do it, and honestly, I, this for me at my age now. It, when when I was younger, I was all into this stuff. I would I would devour this stuff. Um, you know, possibilities, scenarios, things like that. Now I can't even I can't even think about this stuff because it <laughs> what how much research I put into it as far as uh, say the Islanders protected unprotected list. It doesn't matter. Because what's going to happen is going to happen. So I don't get too worked up about it. I just react when it happens. So uh, so I'm sorry, Bobby. I know you wanted me to come on and talk about the Islanders list, but I just can't. I, I don't know. I'm going to talk about it in a few minutes, and you'll hear why I, I didn't think I would make a very good guest uh, for that episode. But please, check out the Bucket Drop podcast. Uh, and also check him out on Facebook because Bobby sells hats. And the proceeds go to help child abuse victims up in Canada. And uh, he's expanding his hat uh, selection. I think you can actually buy bucket drop hats now with the uh, color scheme of your favorite NHL team. So definitely look for him on Facebook as far as that goes. It's for a very good cause. I have one of his original hats, really good quality stuff. So, uh, so check that out for me, please. Now, uh, Steve from whenprobertwasking.com, like I said, he was a guest on Darren's show this past week. And this is the GoFundMe that I've been pumping now for a couple of months. Uh, if you're a hockey fight fan, and actually in my interview, <coughs> oh shit, I'm sorry, folks. Let me get some water here. Sorry about that. Um, if it, it, It's even brought up in the Ben Olsen interview uh, when we talk about some of his uh, Twitter posts where Ben had actually screenshotted uh, Drop Your Gloves. Uh, to prove his point with one of his opponents. And, uh, you know, like we always say, you've used drop your gloves. The players have used it. Coaches have used it. Um, we've all used it. If you're a hockey fight fan, you've used drop your gloves. And I don't know, a year ago, two years ago, whatever it was, the uh, the guy who created the site decided to say, fuck it, I'm not doing it anymore. Didn't give anyone an opportunity to take it over. And now the only fight cards available are those that are on the Wayback Machine. So uh, for someone like myself, Drop Your Gloves is an invaluable resource. I'm not telling you to donate for me. Uh, but but like I said, um, <coughs> Jesus, I, what do I got here? <coughs> I'm getting all choked up. See, folks, it's very important. I'm all choked up. Steve got an estimate from, uh, I guess, a website building company of about $10,000 to rebuild a bigger, better, better Drop Your Gloves. And right now, we're barely past halfway. Thankfully, we reached halfway. Um, it, it's going to be an uphill battle to to raise these this last five thousand. But if you're able to donate anything, whether it's a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars, anything is going to help. I know maybe you're thinking, well, my one dollar is not going to help, or my five dollars is not going to help. Trust me, it will definitely help. Uh, I, Darren, I think was the first one to say this. If everybody in that enforcer appreciation group gave a dollar, the site would be up by now. So if you're thinking to yourself, I can only donate a dollar. It's not a big deal. It is a big deal. Donate that dollar because if a thousand people have the same mindset at you, that's a thousand dollars less that we have to raise for this site. So 
Donate whatever you can. And if you can't donate, which is completely understandable, especially in the times that we're in now, please go to my Twitter pages. I post the link to the GoFundMe every day. Please retweet that. Send it to your followers just by a, a, a one-click retweet, and it goes right to your followers, and maybe they can help too. So um, there's nobody I would rather have on this project than Steve. Trust me. He is going to make it an amazing and just an amazing database. So, uh, so please consider giving, and if not, please retweet my posts. So, social media. This is—it's very topical. Well, it's always topical, but it's very funny to me because in 24 hours, Lou Lamarillo has gone from a genius to oh my god, what is he thinking? It's so perfect on Twitter. So, yesterday. Somehow, Lou Lamarillo is a genius. Lou Lamarillo was able to send Andrew Ladd to Arizona, and he sent some draft picks along with him. I don't care how many draft picks he sent. Lou Lamarillo got a team to take <clears throat> take Andrew Ladd's contract. That is unbelievable to me. Unbelievable to me, giving the Islanders much-needed cap space and getting rid of an albatross of a contract. So I don't know what Arizona's plan is for Andrew Ladd. And I like Bill Armstrong, their GM. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I, I hope that he has a plan because I like I like Billy. But uh, the fact that Lou Lamarillo got a team to take Andrew Ladd and that horrendous contract for what he's been able to do, uh, the dude is a genius. But no less... No less than 24 hours later, the lists, the uh, protected lists come out for the teams. And, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Lou Lamarillo, what is he doing? What is he doing? The game has passed him by. He's a dinosaur. What is he thinking? It's so funny. It's hilarious. These the, the uh, And I'm sure it's not just Isles Twitter. I'm sure every team has their fan bases like this. But just to briefly touch on this, because like I said, Bobby wanted me to come on and talk about this with him, and I don't think we could make it a full episode. I just, I don't have it in me to do it. But the list came out today. Islanders protect Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, Matt Barzal, Anthony Beauvillier, Cal Clutterbuck, Matt Martin. On defense, no surprise here. Pelic, Pulak, Scott Mayfield, and in goal, again, no surprise, uh, Semyon Volomov, which means unprotected, okay, amongst others. Josh Bailey, he had been rumored to be left unprotected. He is. Kiefer Bellows, another one. Uh, Michael Dalcole, Jordan Eberle, again, he's been the name everyone has, uh, has said is probably going to get picked. Uh, Ross Johnston, I'm not happy about that, but I'm also not naive. Of course, they were going to leave him unprotected. Uh, Josh Hosang, no surprise there. Uh, Leo Komarov, uh, Timoshev, a guy they got from Detroit, I think. Um, of course, the UFAs like uh, Sezikis, Kyle Palmieri, Travis Ajak are available. On defense, uh, Braden Coburn, no surprise. Andy Green, no surprise. Hickey, no surprise. Uh, Aho. I mean, there really isn't any surprises on defense because everybody knew the three that they were going to protect. And, of course, goalies, you have Appleby and Schneider because Sorokin doesn't need to be protected. So 
I think where people lost their shit was the fact that they protected Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck over Bailey, over Eberly. Um, I, I guess those are probably the two guys that people were losing their shit over. Um, now, for me, I was worried that um, Matt Martin was going to get picked. I've made that very clear in past shows. I was very nervous about that. Uh, you know, people think I'm crazy, and that's fine. I was very concerned about Matt Martin being picked. So, me personally, I am relieved that he's protected, that he's not going anywhere. But people are losing their minds that Martin and Clutterbuck were protected. The same people that were praising, that have been praising these guys for years. But obviously now, the genius that is Lula Murillo, Lula Murillo went from genius to old old man dinosaur in about 12 hours. So it, it's remarkable to me how stupid some people are on social media. You can't go from the penthouse to the outhouse in 12 hours when you have as much experience as Lula Murillo. Give this fucking guy a chance. He obviously has his reasons. Now, I this stuff makes me dizzy. I had to go searching for graphics for these lists because I can't, I don't read articles about this stuff. Um, I, I can't, it's just too much information. It's information overload. It, it's dizzying to me. The The only thing I will say, and it it's to me, it's, if it hits me, it's pretty obvious. Maybe, maybe it's not obvious why Lou did it, but to me, it's an obvious reason. Did he protect Clutterbuck and Martin? Because he wants to use that as a bargaining chip dealing with Casey Sezikis to try to bring Sezikis back and keep that line together. Saying we're going to commit to this line, the best fourth line in hockey by far. Casey, look, we protected your wingers. We really want you back. Let's get it going here. Come on, come back to us. Keep you guys together. That to me is the obvious reason why you protect a Martin and a Clutterbuck. Um, I, like I said, I think people are losing their shit over Josh Bailey and Eberly, which is weird to me because those have been the two guys that have been spoken about since before the season even ended about guys being left unprotected. And you know what? Nobody knows what kind of deals Lamarillo has with Ron Francis. I mean, that's, that's what this expansion draft is all about. It's these backroom deals and who's going to take who and who's not going to take who will send you this, whatever, whatever it is. So people are losing their shit. The expansion draft is a few days away. There are going to be people losing sleep over this expansion list and this protected list. And that blows my mind. So those are your people that are unprotected. And my prediction is, should should this just be a straightforward Seattle picking an Islander where no one is uh, protected? There's no promise of of non-selection, let's say. My prediction will be that the Islanders will lose Kiefer Bellows. Uh, I think that um, if I had to pick a regular player, I would pick Jordan Eberle. But uh, I think Seattle, they're going to have to pick some some young kids too. I think Kiefer Bellows has a lot of upside. And um, I would predict Kiefer Bellows gets selected by Seattle. I don't think they pick Josh Bailey. And like I said, I, if I had to pick... In order, the three guys that I think will go, it would be Bellows, Eberly, and Bailey in that order. What do I know, though? I'm just some dude with a headset and a laptop doing this podcast. And uh, it, it made me realize that as much as I think I could hold my own with people doing just a straight Islanders podcast, 
I would not want to do an episode about this unprotected protected stuff. I, I it just makes me dizzy. And if it wasn't for Martin Clutterbuck and Sezekis being on one line, I'd have no theory as to why they would have protected Martin and Clutterbuck over anyone else. But to me, that just it screams at you. They want Sezekis back. We're going to protect these two guys. Let's keep this line intact. So I guess uh, I think the draft is the 21st. Uh, again, maybe I should have looked that up before I started recording. But uh, I guess we'll see what happens. Now, I want to introduce you to someone you may or may not know. If you're a fight fan, you definitely know this guy. If you're someone that only follows the NHL, you may not know Ben Olsen. Ben Olsen, what a great dude. He comes up in a lot of my interviews because he did spend uh, parts of two seasons in the Islanders organization, uh, played 17 games with Bridgeport in 2010-11 and 17 games with Bridgeport in 2011-12, did spend training camp with the Islanders in 2011-12, got into a, a rookie game, which we'll talk about against Boston at the Coliseum, and uh, what, a, what a really good dude, a, a huge, huge man. Uh, he's, he's 6'4", 225 or so. His brother uh, is a little bit bigger, I think he said, to carry their weight differently. But him and his brother, Glenn, really two big, big boys. Um, you know, solid. Just think about Eric Cairn-style defenseman. Uh, big dude on the on the blue line. Uh, loves to hit. Loves to crush guys. Uh, doesn't mind dropping the gloves. And um, Ben was really cool. Ben is a guy I, I, that I've targeted for a while. Uh, you know, as much as I say social media is a cesspool, uh, I've been very fortunate with some of the, some of the people that actually do respond to messages uh, like Ben did. Uh, ben is a great guy. Uh, and, and like I say, I, I don't know if I said it when we were recording or before we were recording is that I had seen his Bridgeport stuff already, but I never did the deep dive into Ben Olsen. And uh, as far as, um, you know, sitting there and watching stuff chronologically, I've seen various fights of his on, on DVDs over the years, but uh, watching his stuff from start to finish, you can see, and, and it's like I say about Ross Johnson a lot, you can see the progression and, and, and we mentioned it in the interview about where it seems like uh, Ben may have gotten more and more comfortable growing into his size and uh, just the difference that it makes year to year. And um, you know, it, this was a fun interview for me. Ben was awesome. What a really good dude. I hope we keep in touch. So um, so for those of you who are aware of uh, Ben Olson's exploits, I hope that this podcast will give you more information. And if you're a fan, make you an even bigger fan. And if you're someone who's not that familiar with Ben, I hope that you find this uh, interview very entertaining. And he's someone that you'll go and take the time to go back and look at some of the fights we talk about. And, um, and that's about it. So... Ladies and gentlemen, I've taken up 30 minutes of your time with this intro. I hope I haven't put you to sleep. And get ready, because here's my chat with Ben Olson. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a big treat for you tonight, and I mean big. This dude is really, really colorful. I always talk about guys that fight and hit and do, you know, do more than score and stuff that are the real characters of the game. And my guest tonight is a character but he plays with character, but really, you know, I'm going to let you find out for yourself. This dude is one of the biggest characters I've ever had on the show, and uh, it's really our first time speaking uh, aside from DM, but it is an honor for me to chat with Mr. Ben Olson tonight. Ben, how's it going? Joel, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Uh, This is is a big treat for me. So, uh, so Ben, the first, uh, first question I ask everybody is um now you were born in port mcneil british columbia and 
I'm assuming that when you were a kid, I'm not going to say little, I don't think you were ever little, but when you were a kid, when you were out there on the ponds or in the rinks, you had a favorite team, you had a favorite player. So if I had a time machine and went back in time, who was Ben Olsen as a kid when he played hockey? Well, for those who are familiar with Port McNeil, uh, there's no ponds around to play hockey in. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think once, once maybe I was 10 or 11, that got cold enough for the ponds to freeze and got out there. Okay. But uh, when we're playing road hockey in the streets, uh, being from British Columbia, I was a big fan of the Canucks, and it was either right around the time when the Canucks made that 94 run against the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was always Burray or Linden. Or if I was feeling a little uh, antsy out there, I'd switch my name to Gino Ojic. But, uh, <laughs> he was he was always fun to watch as a kid. My dad really liked him, and kind of so I you know just followed suit and enjoyed watching him play out there as well. So because you brought up your dad, I have to ask you, how tall are your parents? Because I'm going to ask you about your brother in a minute, and you guys are like twin towers. How tall are your parents? Uh, my mom, she's about 5'8", so she's a pretty tall woman, mm-hmm. and we call my dad the runt of the family. He's six feet tall. Oh, okay. <laughs> man, but man. Uh, his, all his cousins are 6'6". Six, six. Uh, his mom, my grandma, was six feet tall. Uh, so there's a lot of size, a lot of Norwegian uh, size uh, in my dad's side of the family, but he was, uh, he was the smallest one. <laughs> And, and uh, how accurate was – you were always listed around, at 6'4", around 220, 225. Was that accurate? Yeah, I would uh, – just shy of 6'5". I think at one point I must have – for sure. Um, so, but never really hit the 6'5 mark. And uh, well, I want to ask you about your brother. You have an older brother, Glenn, who played pro hockey. And uh, he's uh, almost exactly three years older than you. And he's a big boy too, right? Yeah, he's six four. He was always built bigger than me. Uh, carried our weight a little bit different, but yeah, six four. When I was in junior, I was probably playing at like two hundred, mm-hmm. and he was like already two two fifteen, two twenty in junior. Okay, okay. So uh, we're gonna go uh, talking about a young Ben Olson. The first team I have any record of you playing with, and I'm asking you about this team for two reasons: uh, the Campbell River Storm of the VIJHL uh, in 2003-2004. I believe this was the last year you played before uh, jumping to the Western Hockey League. Uh, you had 17 points in 40 games, and you had 220 penalty minutes. So tell me about this league, and with that, with those numbers, were you the scourge of the league? Uh, so that league, it's junior B, mm-hmm. if you're familiar with yep. up in Canada. Mm-hmm. So uh, step below junior A, they really discouraged fighting. So every fight you got into, you got kicked out of the game. Okay. Um, I was 16 years old at the time. Uh, and after three fights, you got an extra suspension. After six fights, it was like three game suspension. But, uh, I think a lot of 10 minute misconduct maybe in there, but at that point, at 16 years old, I've been watching my brother play for a couple of years in junior mm-hmm. um, in uh, the BC Hockey League Junior A mm-hmm. and kind of wanted to, you know, be like him, be like mm-hmm. my big bro. And he was a scrapper. And yeah. that's kind of where that came about. And I knew I wasn't the most skilled guy. It was minor hockey growing up, you know, power play. But once you get to junior, you kind of find your role a bit more. And I, I knew... You know, fighting a little bit, being a big guy, and didn't mind doing it would help me move up the ranks for sure. And that year, you won the uh, league championship, correct? We did, yeah. Campbell River always had a very strong team. 
Um, they brought in players from Quebec. We had Quebec players on the team, players from Vancouver. And, yeah, they, they did all the stops to bring in the top top players to come into the Campbell River. And now the following year, uh, you made your uh, Western Hockey League debut with Kamloops. Uh, how was that transition? Because even though I'm sure you were still one of the bigger guys, you're still just a kid, and now you're playing against – you're potentially playing against some 20-year-olds who are, you know, for you at 16, these are men you're playing against. How was that transition for you? Uh big learning curve mm-hmm. uh playing in junior b at 16 i was i did a, i did fine mm-hmm. i started getting the hang of it by the end of the season but then you go into the whl where everyone's bigger mm-hmm. faster stronger and there's a whole new learning curve fighting 20 year olds who are you know three four years older than me they're like men so definitely took a few licks at the start of that season and um Got the hang of it a bit more by the end, but uh, I think my 18-year-old year is kind of when I started to feel more comfortable at it. Yeah, if people go and uh, watch your your uh, fights, you can definitely see, and it's evident where you feel more comfortable. And and uh, something that I've always said about guys like Ross Johnston and Eric Cairns, where there for someone like yourself, yes, you're you're physically big, but you're still a kid. I mean, I don't want to say you're a child, but essentially you are at 15, 16 years old. No matter how big you are, you don't have the you don't have you could be that same size at 20, and it's a completely different mindset. And just watching the fights over the years, you can actually see where you're getting more and more comfortable. Is that is that a real thing, or am I crazy? No, definitely not crazy. That's for sure. Like the more fights you get into, the more comfortable comfortable you feel. Um, I think after my 17-year-old year, I went to train with a guy named John Craighead. Okay, yeah. Who, uh, if you're familiar with him, yep. who was, he was uh, in the minors. I think he played over in England a little bit and mm-hmm. trained off ice, lifting weights, and then he would take me on some synthetic ice and teach me different grabs. We'd box on the fake ice as well. Yeah. And I think that really helped, as well as tapping into my brother a little bit more, like, hey, let's go to the grass, let's throw on some jerseys, let's teach me a few things, right? He's now 20 years old, probably playing pro at this time. Like, mm-hmm. help me out a bit more here. Well, those are two good guys to uh, to learn from, especially uh, a guy like Craighead, who I'm sure at that point, he's probably in the IHL, no? I think he had just retired because he okay. started up this business, this off, <laughs> off-ice business in the summer, and I think he was just uh, yeah, just retired. He was oh, okay. still in wicked shape. I think he yeah. was telling us he had won like the NHL uh, off ice training competitions a couple of years and yeah just big shredded and uh, very strong and very tough and great great knowledge about fighting for sure now a lot of these um stat keeping when it comes to fights and fighting majors are questionable because you never know how accurate they are but is it true that your first exhibition fight in the western hockey league was against shea weber uh i think it was his brother oh okay okay yeah I, I remember that. I don't think uh, Shea would take the time of day for me. <laughs> but uh, I do. I'm pretty sure that, if I can remember correctly, was his brother. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You never know about uh, you never know about these things. So, uh, so um, I don't have too much about your rookie season. There was only one fight that I saw against Liam Couture. Uh, but like, like I wanted to know. Um, any memorable moments there? Because, like I said, you are stepping up, and uh, anything uh, exciting happened that kind of opened your eyes? Like, okay, now this is like the big time. Yeah, the year the year before, and when I was in Camel River, I got to go up for a practice, and um, 
just doing some flow drills and those guys, the way they pass the puck, it's on the tape and it's hard and, you know, just getting used to catching those passes. Uh, that first year, I probably played half the games as a forward mm-hmm. um, and half the games as a defense. And by the end of the year, it was mostly defense, but still in and out of the lineup, kind of placed wherever, and, um, whatever. But nothing really stands out mm-hmm. too much that year. It was just like take everything in, mm-hmm. happy to be there, and uh, go from there. So the following year, you go back to Kamloops. You're not there for a very long time, but in the exhibition, you had um, two fights. One guy you fought, Miles Stays, who I think you ended up fighting five times in your career, who was with Spokane at the time. And uh, the other guy you fought, including that exhibition, you fought him four times that year, and that's Milan Lucic, uh, who was with Vancouver at the time. Uh, What are your memories about your series with those two guys? Yeah, first we'll start with Miles. Yeah, yeah that guy's a warrior. Not the biggest guy, mm-hmm. but uh, he could stand in there and, and chuck him for sure. And I don't remember the exhibition fight mm-hmm. with him, but definitely when I was in Seattle and he was in Spokane, uh, the rival- rivalry there, um, mm-hmm. scrapping a few times. And then I remember that Lucic one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, I think, a preseason tournament in Everett. Mm-hmm. And I was asking our coach, like, hey, who's the who's a tough guy on Vancouver. I was looking at this big guy mm-hmm. and they're like, no, no, Lucic. And uh, so I went out and fought him. Don't really remember how the fight went. He was mm-hmm. a strong, big customer then. Yeah. At, I think he was 17, but uh, yeah, we definitely had a few run-ins and him playing in Vancouver. So every time I was in Vancouver, I don't think we ever fought in Kamloops or Seattle, but mm. I always wanted to put on a show for friends and family and always have have a lot of people in the stands. So when he was the guy, he was their guy. So I was usually running in with him. So uh, so how did it happen that you ended up getting traded to Seattle? That one, uh, I was with my agent chatting with them. I was, I think he played three of the first 12 games that year as an 18-year-old. And by the time you're 18, you want to start getting some ice time. And there was a couple defensemen a year younger than me that were uh playing over me mm-hmm. so we we decided as uh him and i that'd be best to ask for a trade somewhere to get more playing time and um ended up being seattle it was tough to leave it you know you've been there for a year you got good friends you know the community um and they ended up trading a bunch of other defensemen right after which kind of I was kind of pissed about it. I'm like, oh, I could have been there. I could have been with the guys. But Seattle actually ended up being a really good spot. I came in as the fifth defenseman mm-hmm. that year as an 18-year-old. And then anyone was injured or suspended, I'd move up to that top four spot. Nice. And we'd play like 25 minutes a game. And kind of that's where I was able to prove that I could hang and not just be a fighter and actually play a little bit here in the in the dub and be effective. Did you get to play with Thomas Hickey at all? I do. Or I did. I got uh, I got a Hickey jersey in my man cave slash kids playroom. Nice. And me and Hicks, yeah, we talk. Uh, you know, every year we touch base and see what's going on. And yeah, Hickey, me and Hickey were really close. We played three years there together. He, I think, he was a rookie when when I got there. And mm-hmm. uh, Hicks, great guy, and was happy to see him as such a high draft pick get to get to the Islanders and actually get to crack the squad and. Um, make the lineup there he still looks the same he hasn't aged the day since you played with him no he does <laughs> no i see him on tv all the time I'm like that's 
picks. Like that's like when we were in Seattle, you look the exact same. Yep. Oh yeah. So uh, when you went to Seattle, you played uh, for head coach and assistant coach. I don't know how many people actually know a lot about them, but uh, neither guy is very big physically, but they both played tough when they played uh, Rob Sumner head coach and Jim McTaggart as the assistant coach. Uh, how was it playing for those guys? Uh, they were great. They loved my style of game. Jimmy McTaggart was our defenseman coach yep. and he would be at all the home games. And then uh, the close road trips he would come to as well. Okay. And, yeah, he must. I don't know much about his career, mm-hmm. but he must have been a bit of a scrapper because I was also I would work with him after practice a lot. And he would show me these something I never ch- used or tried, but he'd show me like a choke out move mm-hmm. where you would like cross the jersey and choke the player out. Yep. And he's like, you know, if you're ever in trouble, you just punch him right in the jock. <laughs> 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 something else I never used. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Jimmy was great for me there, and also. <laughs> working on D skills and puck mm-hmm. handling, something I had to like continually work at very hard is all these, once you get to the dub, the players are so skilled and yeah. I was just trying to hang on. And he, he was great for me there. We worked after every practice, half an hour at least on just puck handling or passing mm-hmm. or skating. He, um, he was with uh, Washington, I think for parts of two seasons and, you know, it's a typical thing where you need muscle against a division opponent. So it seemed like he played almost all the time against the Islanders, probably against the Rangers. But uh, but I know he fought. I think he fought Nystrom. Uh, he may have fought Gary Howitt. So um, so yeah, he's a tough player, and that's why I say I always like to bring up guys like that because I know that they don't get as much fanfare as a lot of the other guys. But especially if he helped you in your career, uh, you know, give him a little publicity too. Yeah, so he a very humble guy. I had no idea he was even in the NHL. Yeah. Oh, wow, there you um, go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he never talked about it, but I just had maybe didn't need to. Just his presence, the way he spoke. We were just all the defensemen. Mm-hmm. Um, we just listened. His biggest thing after a bad game is, well, you're only as good as your last game. We got another one tomorrow night. This is his yeah. big saying. Yeah, cool. Um, so that year, your first year with Seattle, uh, you led the team in penalty minutes. Is that... Um, something that you wanted to, I know a lot of times guys, and it's not just, um, in junior, even up to the NHL, when you're new to a team, you want to come in, you want to make an impression. Plus now you're a year into the league already. Maybe you want to kind of, uh, assert, assert your aggressiveness and, and kind of get word around the league that, you know, who you are and how no one's going to mess with your teammates, things like that. That's, uh, definitely what I wanted to do going mm-hmm. to the new team they didn't know who I was they didn't really have uh, a tough guy mm-hmm. on their team so I wanted to show the team hey because I came in guys told me later on like I you know I was probably 6'4 200 pounds like oh this is our tough guy mm-hmm. right they told me later on that that's what they were thinking yeah <laughs> and so I wanted to definitely show them hey like we're not getting pushed around if anything happens I have your back mm-hmm. and I wanted to try and get something going as soon as I could yeah uh, well, that year, uh, speaking of getting something going, uh, and I'm going to ask you about three teams that you played against, but one of the teams was Portland. You had seven fights against the uh, Winterhawks that year, and four of them were against Fraser McLaren. Uh, you remember uh, meeting up with him every game, it seems like? Yeah, we seemed to just run into each other a lot. Yeah, we had some good fights. Um I remember one, I cut him open pretty good at home, and mm-hmm. it was just seemed like a good toe-to-toe fights all the time. And just Seattle, Portland, those are the, the biggest rivalries and the 
uh, the most fans we would get when Portland came in on a weekend. We'd kind of sell out the lower bowl at the key arena. Uh, Chris or New Year's Eve, we would go to Portland and they would play in the, the NBA arena there and they'd be oh, sold nice. out lower roll, lower bowl as well. And mm-hmm. yeah, just huge rivalry and just, just playing a team so many times. You just, that's just kind of what happens. And me and him all the, obviously being the, the two tough guys on the team, uh, ran into each other a lot. So you had, uh, according to the records that are out there, 20 fights that year for Seattle, and 75% of those were against Portland, Vancouver, and Spokane. So the Western League, you're going to be a focal point of those divisional games, those rivalry games. And it's not to say that you get up more for those games than you do against the game against Saskatoon, let's say, but but how, how much was it? like? How amped up did you get playing those three teams? Yeah, I definitely knew what was coming playing those teams. As Saskatoon, we play them once a year. Mm-hmm. Don't yeah. know who's on the team, right. right? There's no bad blood. There's no history. But yeah, there's the Vancouver, and right, obviously in Vancouver, I always wanted to put on a little show for the fans mm-hmm. and family and stuff. And then yeah, Portland, and Spokane, obviously had those two like mile stays and mm-hmm. and uh, McLaren, mm-hmm. and it's just just kind of what happens. Now, following year, you mentioned you were the, the really the lone tough guy that year. Following year, you played with a guy who I honestly didn't know much about until I was doing research for a few other guys, and he kept popping up in the American League, and he really, really piqued my interest. It seems like a fun guy to watch. A uh, kid from California named uh, Sina Akalazzi. Uh What do you remember playing with him? Yeah, actually, go back a year, I forgot. Oh. They did have a guy named James McEwen on our team. Oh, okay, and, okay. Uh, yep. mm-hmm. We called each other. We called each other the Bash Brothers, and he was about five eleven, six foot, uh-huh. and he would take care of all the middleweights. Nice. <laughs> and uh, it's always nice to have a guy like that. Oh, definitely. And yeah, Senna, Senna Akalazzi. I think he's still playing over in Germany. Um, okay. It says he was born in California. He was raised in Edmonton. Oh, okay, okay. So I, uh, I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, he came from Edmonton when he was playing with us, but yeah, Senna. He was a young guy. He would he would chat with me all the time mm-hmm. about you know fights and stuff. And he had a few, um, but big, you know, six one, six two, but very strong. And so I would try and teach him all all that I knew at that point right. uh, about to be successful. It was always great having a another guy out there to have your back as well. So. Obviously, with with my interviews, we're going to talk about a lot of fighting and everything. But now, if you were a winger, I could ask you about certain goals and everything. But being a defenseman, there's not a whole lot of that. But as you you were going in your Western Hockey League career and as you were making more room for yourself, creating room for yourself and for your teammates, you were – I assume – you were eventually a top four defenseman. Did you get to do any uh, any rushing of the puck or anything like that? Or were you kind of just comfortable at home in front of the net? Mostly stay at home. I played with Hickey a lot. So mm-hmm. I was like, hey, get the puck to Thomas and let him do his work and I'll hang back. But right. uh, rush it when you could, but still try and move it to the forwards. We had some really good forwards on our team. Uh, a little bit of power play in front of the net, kind of just standing there causing, causing chaos. Mm-hmm. Um one goal that stands out, I always remember it, still talk about it whenever I see the guy on TV, is uh, Carey Price. Scored on him in Tri-Cities. Nice. Put the game to, tied it up to put the game to overtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's uh, whenever he's on TV and I'm at work, I just make sure I tell the boys that uh, <laughs> he can't be that good if I scored on him. But uh, No, he's one, one hell of a goalie. Yeah. It was from the blue line, and 
he was definitely screened in front of the net if it went in. Was it? At, did you go end to end? Were you like Bobby? No, Lee? it was just just on the blue line oh, okay. past the point, drag it to the middle a little bit, and it went posting in. Dude, if I were you, I would carry around a Carey Price hockey card and just show it to people. Be like, see this guy? Look at these numbers. I scored on him. Yeah, there was a little run. I had a four-game point streak. I think it started there, a couple assists, and then uh, I scored an overtime game winner against Chilliwack. I think that was the same year. Nice. I was like, oh, something's coming here. Then it kind of <laughs> slowed down after that. But uh, scoring an overtime was pretty cool. That was uh, one and only time that's ever happened. No, and I think it, I think it's cool because whenever the tough guys score, you know, like everyone's happy. Like the fans are. Ha- I mean, obviously the home fans are happy, but even the guys in the room have to be pumped for you because they know the job that you do protecting them and everything. And I'll, I'll never forget when Ken Baumgarten was here. He scored one goal when he was here in the three seasons that he played here. It was like January third against LA, and everyone went bananas. And it was just such a cool thing to see. When, how everybody reacts when the tough guys score. And I'm assuming it must have been just awesome, an awesome feeling. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the boys, they just get pumped up. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I just can't believe when I score a goal that it actually goes in. And, you know, they're way more excited for me scoring than yeah. them scoring, right? They score 20, 30, 40 goals a year. And I get, yeah. if I'm lucky, a couple. Mm-hmm. So uh, you led the team in penalty minutes again that year. You were ninth in the Western League. Uh, a couple of guys I want to ask you about. You had uh, rounds two and three against uh, Aaron Bugard of Tri-City. Do you remember those fights? Boogie, yeah. Yeah, some, uh, yeah I remember one. Okay. Because it didn't end up so well for me. Oh, okay. The only time. Uh, that's okay. Well, <laughs> it's just uh, he caught me with, yeah, I think it was I was throwing. I was hitting some good rights on him, and he just threw a couple lefts, mm. hit me in the temple, and I just went down yeah. uh, up right away. To the penalty box. I think nowadays you'd probably be sent off, checked out, but in the penalty box yeah. for the five and finish the game. But mm-hmm. that's one that definitely stands out. Uh, and there was another one. I was ta- recently talking to Prab Rye, who was just like a skilled forward, was on my team, and he was lined up against Bugard. Mm-hmm. And Bugard's like, "Are we going?" And Prab thought he was talking to him, <laughs> and he was—he's like, oh, "Oh man, I was shitting my pants." <laughs> And then all he all he heard was me behind him like yeah let's go, <laughs> and he's like oh a big relief off my back, but uh, yeah definitely a strong tough customer in Bugar and he's got the older brother right mm-hmm. so you know you know what you're getting and you just hope I was just hoping to kind of he's a year older than me to make it mm-hmm. make it through those fights okay unscathed but obviously one didn't go well for me but uh, the other couple were were just fine. So uh, was it weird when you fought uh, Matt Cassian, who had been your teammate uh, two years before that? Yeah, it was. Uh, that was maybe my first team I'd ever fought. But Matt showed me a couple tricks. It was great to work with Matt because he, he had been fighting a lot. He, he worked with me. We were there. I was probably with him a month or a month or two, and he'd show me a lot. Um, and then I did pretty good. I'd say he's draw or probably slight edge on that one because – I used to have a DVD with all my WHL fights. Oh, um, I not hate sure that. where I it hate went. Used to. I hate hearing used to. Yeah, there was a guy. He it was like twenty bucks, and he mm-hmm. put together a big collection, a big intro video. Yeah, and uh, then every fight. I don't know how he logged, got into them, but mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, I, I watched that one a few times. But yeah, it was a good fight. Uh, definitely didn't lose. I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a guy I have to ask you about because this I would file under. What was he thinking? A person named Victor Shodine, who was with Portland at the time, 
what do you even remember this altercation uh what was he thinking uh at that point it, sometimes i just never gave anybody a chance if okay. they're gonna play if they're gonna slash hack chirp me yeah and kind of similar 19 20 year old year in junior as the one i was in england my first year yeah i just kind of do what i want mm-hmm. uh, and there was going to be no uh payback or no one really to come after me that i was scared mm-hmm. right there's no trevor gilly sitting on the bench to come <laughs> after me yeah um but uh yeah i think a couple whacks in front and then just ripped his helmet off and said <laughs> we're going and then he uh yeah, I don't know. If, is there a video of that one? I think so. I just, yeah. I don't yeah. remember. I just know either I saw the video or saw the name and said, yeah, this can't be good. Yeah. Didn't mm. turn out so well for him. Um, so one of the things, and I had asked you about this prior to recording, um, you know, there are some people familiar with, with, uh, with my, uh, something that happened to me and um, life just can smack you right in the face and, just everything stops in an instant and uh i've had a life-changing experience and and you have also uh tell me what happened when you got the call that your brother was involved in a plane crash yeah so that one was uh it was uh, actually a knock on the door oh, okay the MP. i answered it and they asked if glenn olson lived here and i said yes and they're like was he on a plane today and i said yeah uh, is everything okay? And they like immediately just asked for my parents to come. Mm-hmm. Um, they were flying from Port McNeil to Merritt. There was a uh, music festival, Merritt Mountain Music Festival that went on mm-hmm. at the time, and they were heading up there. And uh, the pilot, what we found out, the pilot went off route, and there was some family or friends that were on a lake, and he did a little flyby waving his wings, and then the mountain was coming up, and he didn't have enough clearance to get over it and banked the plane into the into the side of the mountain. Oh my God. But the one thing that really got me was I was going to go on that trip. I was going to be the third guy in the back. There was oh. three of them. But my agent hooked me up with this hockey school in Campbell River that was oh happening at the same time. And I went with that instead of going on that trip. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. So, so that was my yeah. brother. For those that don't know, my brother Glenn, he yeah. signed, he played in the BCJ, which is Junior A in BC, played with the Kootenai Ice at 19, and then signed with uh, San Jose Sharks, mm-hmm. went to their camp, beat a couple guys up, mm-hmm. they signed him right away, as an 18-year-old, or no, 19-year-old, they signed him and sent him to Johnstown, mm-hmm. and he went there, played a little bit, and Kootenai Ice called and said, hey, we have this guy protected, so if you're you're listed or anything in the WHL, you can't play in the East Coast or American Hockey League as a 19-year-old. Okay. So he went there and then played, and went on to play three years pro up and down with uh, San Jose's AHL and East Coast teams at the time. And he had just finished his third year when that when that happened. Wow. Well, yeah, I know him from uh, familiar with him from Worcester. That's where uh, yeah. where I'd seen some of his fights and everything down there. So, uh, so he obviously survived, but that had to be traumatic getting that knock on the door. I can't even imagine. But he's okay now. Like everything is okay now. Yeah, very fortunate. Like the pilot didn't make it. Yeah. Uh, the guy in the back seat, severe <laughs> brain damage. He was in a coma for three, four weeks, I think. Um, when the search and rescue guys went there, they didn't expect anyone to be alive. They said he was in such good shape. Yeah, from playing hockey definitely helped him, but 
Uh, yes, I think still a little, like, his knee and shoulder at the time was, but nothing that's holding him back now. He, he owns a fishing lodge on Vancouver Island and very successful doing that, but uh, his, his playing career had to end, which yeah. was too bad because I was about to hit pro. It would have been cool to yeah. play against him. Oh, yeah, I bet. Yeah, well, thank God, uh, thank God it wasn't uh, – I hate to say it wasn't more serious, but obviously it could have been a lot worse. I'm glad that he's, uh, that he's doing well. So, uh, so thanks for sharing that with me. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Now, uh, the following season, you not only led the Thunderbirds in penalty minutes, you led the entire Western League in penalty minutes. And uh, uh, I saw that Turner Stevenson worked with the with the team a little bit. Is that correct? Yeah, Turner came. Uh, Turner was great. Just the you know he's a hard working yeah. hard working guy, and if you if you work hard, he's gonna like you. And yeah, he was he was hilarious. He always had jokes, telling us stories, NHL stories, stories when he's in. Uh, New Jersey and their playoff runs and um, the bets they were making with uh, GM to make it further in the round, how much money they were making. But uh, I know Turner, Turner was great. He was always a lot of fun and kept things light as a good assistant coach. Did you work with him at all? Uh, you know, cause he scrapped a little bit in his career. Never worked with him fighting wise. Still yep. stayed with, with uh, Jimmy McTaggart at that time, but uh, um, he was great. Like he, I would even hear him. I would go back for the puck, kind of wheeling up the boards in my own end. I could hear him from the bench yelling middle. Yeah. So I'd put my head up there, and there's the centerman right there. I'm like, well, so even yeah. from the bench, like, yeah, yeah. helped me, like, make the play, right? Cool. But uh, great, cool, you know, having an ex-NHL player there. He played with Seattle. His, I think yeah. his wife's from there, and his family lives there. Awesome. Uh, you had a couple of fights this year that were phenomenal. The one that... I think stands out first and foremost. I made a note of it. Uh, Patrick Bungle of Chilliwack. Uh, you remember that one? I do. I'm not sure what he was thinking. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. no, he was their tough guy. Yeah. But we were in Chilliwack and we were down one nothing. The shots were like 11 to one for that team. We were, like, we were just getting like smoked in the first period. Mm -hmm. And uh, behind the net, we're doing a bit of a set breakout. And uh, I hear Wilson. Olsen, we're going. I'm like, okay, leave the puck there. We score. I'm like, it's like, this is perfect time for me to fight. Like, we're, we're getting outshot. We're losing. And this guy, I don't think he's that tough. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I ended up, yeah, it was pretty good. And I ended up getting my arm loose in my jersey and came around with a left and uh, caught him with a good one. A couple uppercuts after that. Mm -hmm. But he ended up breaking his orbital bone. I know my uncle knew the trainer on that team and he was uh, he was in bad shape for a while, yeah, uh, with a broken orbital bone. Uh, another uh, tilt that stood out was uh, against Mike Gauthier of Kamloops. You remember that? Yeah, Mike. We were yeah, Mike and I were teammates in a okay. spring hockey league um, for a couple tournaments when we were I think fifteen. So we kind of knew each other. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just researching myself trying to get myself prepped on my career trying to remember things that one came up yeah and uh, yeah, i saw he there was a big uh kind of a knee on knee with my teammate and roommate brendan Dillon, mm -hmm. who still plays with uh, capitals now yeah but mm -hmm. uh and i went after that guy and good for him he he stepped in there quick before i could get to that smaller guy and we had a yeah good scrap he definitely wasn't as much of a fighter as mm -hmm. i was so i think once i i think i switched left on him and caught him with a couple 
Um, there was a guy who actually followed you in uh, Bridgeport, played the year after. He's with Spokane at the time. And uh, not necessarily a fighter, but I don't think he's a guy that takes a backward step, and he's a lot smaller than you. Uh, you remember scrapping Chris Bruton? Um, I don't. Was okay. he in was Spokane, did you say? Yeah, he was with Spokane. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah no, I don't. Okay. Uh, it's not ringing a bell how yep. that one yeah, there's no video on it, but because of the Bridgeport thing, I figured I'd ask because I actually yeah. I'm a fan of his too. So I was wondering. Well, I know you're going to remember this one. You had a toe to toe, amazing tilt with Garrett Hunt uh, in Vancouver oh, at yeah. the time. You have to remember that one. Yeah, little backstory in that one. Uh, the game before we played them, well, I, don't, I can't remember how, how far before, but uh, our top scorer Bud Holloway. Um, who went on to an like, unbelievable career over in Europe. Mm-hmm. But uh, he came across and elbowed him in the head. Garrett got kicked out of the game. Bud had a bad concussion. He was out for a long time. And uh, we go to Vancouver, which was rare, the night before. And we're having a team meeting. Mm-hmm. And Turner, I think it was Turner Stevenson, said, yep, someone's taking care of Garrett Hunt tomorrow. And I, I already knew I was going to yeah. do it for a shift or make it happen. And uh, I think it was my second shift, my his first shift, and I had my equipment manager Jason Berger, who's now with Tampa Bay Lightning. You might see him, see him on all the videos winning the Stanley Cups. Great guy, nice. but he uh, he put some he, tough skin on my knuckles, mm-hmm. and he started jabbing my helmet with a with a fork to try and so if he hit <laughs> me, he would cut him up a little more. A, That's a, a Kevin Kaminsky trick. But I uh, went, I put my gloves on, my hands started sticking to my gloves, so it was good to get the fight over second shift, but yeah, he was, uh, something coming down the wall, and I was like, we're going, mm-hmm. and the gloves came off, and it looks toe-to-toe, Yeah. but he's maybe, if he's lucky, hitting my chest or shoulder pad, but not even coming close. Right, well, he's, and, you got uh, a big reach advantage on him. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, for sure, Yeah. and yeah, I definitely, definitely gave him a lot, mm-hmm. Uh and once we get into my pro, make sure let's talk about him again and how that fight went and how it all started as well. Well, he definitely is someone that is going to be mentioned. He is in my notes down the road. So uh, before we get there, was there an incident um, against Spokane where you fired a slap shot into their bench? Yeah, there was. Not my brightest moment, not something I'm proud of for sure. Mm. But uh, the what happened there was... They were, we were down 3 nothing in Spokane, and uh, it was like three minutes left, two minutes left, and they called a timeout, mm-hmm. Spokane did. So we go to the bench, and my trainer is like, shoot the puck in their bench. They shouldn't <laughs> be taking a timeout. I think it was Burger again, Jason Burger. <laughs> Getting you in trouble. So I, go, I think my partner was Senna Akalazzi. I'm mm-hmm. like, Senna, let's shoot the puck in their bench. So we win the draw. If There's a video of it. He passes yep. it over to me. And I turn and take a slap shot, and it goes right in their bench. And looking at the video, very fortunate I didn't hit somebody in the head because it could have done a lot of damage. Yeah. Um, but I think my reputation at the time, you could see me in the video back up. I drop one glove, mm-hmm. getting ready, and then everyone just kind of stays at the blue line where I'm at, like the hash marks. Yeah. And mm-hmm. no one comes after me, and I pick my glove back up. Yeah. I uh, had some water bottles thrown at me from, from some fans, <laughs> but had a had a talk with a disciplinary uh, guy of the WHL mm-hmm. and talked my way out of that one, um, told him we were shorthanded, which we were, 
Mm -hmm. And I was just trying to ice the puck, but you can tell it kind of looks pretty deliberate. But, yeah, yeah, definitely something I'm not proud of and very thankful I didn't hit somebody on the bench. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, So just – and I don't know if you're – I like bringing uh, stuff up like this because a lot of times – the player isn't aware of it, but uh, when, not the slap shot, this thing. Uh, you finish your junior career uh, ranked ninth all-time in penalty minutes for Seattle, which is kind of a big deal for a couple of reasons. First of all, if you got that many minutes, it meant that you stayed relatively healthy. And for a guy that played a physical style, I say that's a credit to you because it's easy to get hurt when, you, when you're when you punching or when you're hitting. It, it, you're, you play a physical style, so it's always easy for you to get hurt. So I think it's a credit for you to, to pile up all those penalty minutes. Uh, you ended up with 644, only two behind Matthew Spiller. Um, and you're behind guys like Turner. And uh, Zach Fitzgerald, Darcy Simon, Brendan Witt. You're ahead of guys like Dean Ewan, Brett Duncan, Chris Thompson, Dodie Wood. So you're in some pretty good company there. And I think people that are fans of the Western League, even if you're not, if you don't follow the league day by day, those are names that people know because Seattle always has this uh, reputation as you know having tough players, even going back, um, you know, breakers days and everything. Guys like Brent Severin and Ken Danico. So, uh, does that mean anything to you? Just to have your name with uh, guys like that that are definitely renowned as being tough players. Well, that's the first I'm hearing of it. Actually, <laughs> okay. I had no idea, but I think that's actually pretty cool. Top ten yeah. uh, in the Seattle Thunderbirds. Who I know before they moved to Key Arena, they had a pretty tough, tough barn to play in, and a lot of a lot of good players. But uh, I was there for almost three full years. And he had mm-hmm. I was healthy. I got injured once, and I got a skate to my knee, and I think I missed four games one year. Mm-hmm. And then my 20-year-old year, I missed one game to head back to the island for a funeral. So, yeah, there was no no hand, no head uh, injuries. So definitely very fortunate to, to be able to play down there without any anything serious. Yeah, the Seattle Center Arena, uh, some of the old videos from there, they're pretty interesting stuff, especially those corners and uh, and the guys they had there were they always had super tough teams. Those games against uh, Portland and Spokane. I mean, I mean, you know, you were right in the middle of it, but uh, those are some fun videos to watch from back in the day. Oh, for sure, that's my type of arena to play in, my type yeah. of bar, not these big open ones. I like the tight corners, square corners, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, junior career is over. How'd you hook up with Carolina? Yeah, that's. Uh, End of the career, we had three 20-year-olds. The one, Scott Jackson, he was uh, drafted by Tampa, so he went there after the year, um, our season. Ian McKenzie signed with Nashville and went there with their farm team after the season. And then I'm sitting there kind of like, huh, <laughs> guess this might be it. Like, I'm like, I don't want to, because in the WHL, you get schooling paid for, you get in this Canadian college uh books and tuition for every year you play and I was 20 mm-hmm. 21 maybe and I'm like I don't want to go to school yeah. <laughs> like I want to keep playing so went home worked with worked a little bit worked out and the agent called and after the free agents all signed after July 1st they kind of worked their way down a little bit and I had some offers with it was Nashville Edmonton and Carolina and Carolina gave the best offer. Okay. Um, so that's how they gave me a one-way AHL deal where the other teams were offering two ways. So it was kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, sounds like it. And you attended camp with the big club, though, right? I did. My first year, I was at, yeah, the big, big, big camp. Did you get to play with any of the, 
the regulars or did they keep the rookies kind of separate? No, we were all together. Um, I remember before I got picked up. I think Zach Boychuk and another guy picked me up. Mm-hmm. Um, he was their first round draft pick. I think he was he arrived just a bit before me. But in what they said was, you don't have to bring any gear. Maybe just bring your skates. We have all new gear for you if you want. I'm like, oh, awesome. Like, I'm not bringing any sticks. Yeah. Like I was using a wooden blade, junior. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so there's a bus. I'm on the first ice time the next day. Hardly slept, worrying about my alarm. Is it going to go off? Um, yeah. And then set, uh, called the front desk to set an alarm as well, wake-up call. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I was in group one, so there's a bus that goes, and you get there about 30 minutes before, but I have no gear, I have no <laughs> sticks. So I go to the trainer, like, I got the skates, I had brought a few things. So here's a stick, threw me a couple sticks, and I saw one down, and it's probably like four or five inches too short. And, like, my first practice out there, I was like, I was struggling. Yeah. I was like, the stick was way too short. Um, we were with the big guys. I remember one time, just then at drill, I was in the corner with Eric Stahl, and oh, wow. I kind of bumped him, mm-hmm. bumped him into the boards, I gave him a little a little hit, mm-hmm. and we go back to the front of the net, and he two-hands me behind the leg and just stares at me. I was like, okay, maybe maybe I don't hit their superstar <laughs> in the corner at training camp as a 20-year-old, 21-year-old. And, yeah. um, I remember Gillies, we were, I met, first met Gillies, Trevor Gillies, um, yeah. during the off-ice fitness testing and he kind of came to me and introduced himself and told me how happy he was that I was there to kind of help him out and yeah. I was I was just like yeah I was just kind of listening to whatever he said yeah because I knew who he was and uh, I was very happy to have a guy like that there and yeah but yeah the big guys the big guys were there and that was pretty cool being in the locker room with with guys like Stahl and I think uh Ray Whitney was there yeah mm, definitely cool. exciting coming from coming from junior to something like that. So um, when you go down to Albany, uh, one of the assistant coaches is a guy who uh, I've interviewed a bunch of guys who have played for this guy, whether he's a head coach or an assistant coach. And I'm assuming that you worked with him because I'm guessing he coached the defenseman down there. Uh, what are your uh, recollections of playing for uh, Jordy Kinnear? Yeah, I figured that was going to be Jordy. Yeah, yeah, he was great. He, again, I'm now I'm a rookie again, mm-hmm. trying to keep up kind of got myself to the junior level to, to play with those guys now it's now I'm the I'm the young guy mm-hmm. um the you know not as strong as these guys and he worked a ton with me defensively on my skating we had weight vests on the ice after practice he gave me like uh it was a weighted stick I was skating around with and we worked and worked all the time him and I and I was just doing whatever I could to mm-hmm try and crack the lineup or show that I wanted to be there and not get sent down to the East Coast League. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, having a guy like Jordy, it's always nice going to a team when one of the coaches kind of played a similar role as you do. So yeah. they, they understand what it's like. They know what they need to do to help you. And, yeah, we definitely worked worked a lot with him, and he was definitely good for my game. Now, that season in Albany, uh, Mike Angelitis led the team in penalty minutes. He had 142 in 67 games. You were second, two minutes behind him, but in 31 fewer games. So uh, was this similar to 
when you were going to Seattle, let's say, and trying to establish establish yourself? Because like you say, now you're a rookie all over again. It's a new league, new players. So even though it was limited action in the American League, uh, you did manage the 140 penalty minutes. Was that you trying to, uh, you know, make a name for yourself again? Yeah, the start of the year, I was trying to fight whoever I could. I know I had, I had Trevor. Trevor was there, so he was taking on the big guys like Yablonski and Moraski at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I was going to play, I was like, hey, like I should try and fight because it wasn't every game that I was playing in the lineup. So if right. I was trying to make a statement, definitely. And then a total learning experience. Again, mm-hmm. took my licks, a lot of licks, mm-hmm. um, just like when I was 17 to the WHL. Now I'm fighting 30-year-old man. I fought Morasti that year. I fought Yablonski. Right, definitely mm-hmm. out of my weight class yeah. as a 21-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, that was after I think Trevor. I was in your in your pod, but he he hit his head on the ice. So yeah. now, mm-hmm. uh oh, I'm yeah. the only guy now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I uh, definitely wanted to make my mark and show that I wanted to be there. I wanted. I was on a one-year deal, so like, mm-hmm. I want another contract. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any? Everybody that knows Trevor Gillies, I, I think there are many adjectives that would come to mind. One of them that just is automatic to me is just intense. He's one of the most on the ice, like off the ice. I always tell people like, if you meet him off the ice, you think he was like a banker or something. Cause even though he's, uh, he's bigger than most people and everything, and he still has a presence, like he's just the night, you know, typical nicest guy off the ice, but on the ice, I don't know many guys that are more intense than him. Is there anything you can remember where you he did something or whatever where you just go, holy shit, this guy's crazy? His pregame warm-up before yes. getting on the ice was, I'm like, this is intense. He, <laughs> I think I might have played with him in Bridgeport as well mm-hmm. when I heard, watched him in the gym and he was shadowboxing to the song Bangarang by Skrillex. Okay. And I'm, I'm like, this is... I love this, yeah. and that's where I kind of first learned about uh, Vaseline on the face mm-hmm. was from him. Um, we called him the Wild Man, yeah. And he would his three things right away. He taught me was knees bent, chin down, hands up. Yeah. And I've done some what I call self defense training with mm-hmm. junior players over here in Vancouver, mm-hmm. and that's like a few of the things like don't be cocky, don't have your hands at your hips, get them up, bend your knees, tuck your chin. Those are the first three things I tell all these young kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's straight from Trevor Gillies. Look at him, look him up. <laughs> yeah. And, but he was just like yeah. the greatest teammate. Yeah. He would do anything for you. If you needed something, mm-hmm. he was there. And especially on the ice, if something happened on the ice, we, which didn't happen a lot because the other team knew yeah. who was sitting on the bench ready to go. And as Trevor and his like, and you know Trevor pretty well. And yeah. yeah. Just what a great teammate to have my first year pro like it couldn't have been couldn't have worked out better to, uh, who I could learn from mm-hmm. yeah definitely no argument here I'm, I always say I'm glad he's he's got my back uh you know I, I'd rather have him on on my side than on the other side definitely so, oh absolutely yeah. yeah when he when he he got injured I think it was halfway through the year mm-hmm. um and a little bit later our team got into a bus crash I don't know if you heard heard about that I don't but we were, we were coming back from Lowell, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Our bus broke down 20 minutes outside of Lowell. Mm-hmm. So we waited about two and a half, three hours from a, for a bus to come from Albany to pick mm-hmm. us up. Ugh. And it's 
January or February, Jeez. and it's a bl- it's a blizzard. And from what the guys up front were telling me, was he was trying to make up time, and he was passing vehicles on the Massachusetts Turnpike, and it's oh, a blizzard. Jesus. And we ended up flipping on our side and going through the guardrail. For uh, the guys, like there, one guy broke his neck. Um, one guy had the guardrail go through the window, and he looked like Wolverine got him. Oh my God! Um, lots of guys with concussions. It was mostly the guys that were. I was on the side it flipped on. I yeah. was in the very back by the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Worst thing that happened to me, I was kind of flipped a little bit, and then the bathroom toilet water started oh. running on me. Oh, <laughs> Next thing, like that started happening, I'm kind of like <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on, and all you hear is like, "Get off the bus!" So I'm yeah. thinking it's on fire or something. Mm-hmm. But that was Jordy Kinnear. He was up front. Yeah. The front half of our bus was still. Um, on the road and all these big trucks were flying by on the inside lane and we all like got outside uh through the emergency exit in the roof which was on the side and yeah some some very serious injuries so we had we got that weekend off and then after that i went on a rampage like i was in the lineup every night and i was fighting anybody and everybody i could because that was end of the season was coming and i i am not sign an east coast league deal i want to come back and my hand by the end of that time was like a balloon yeah i can yeah and actually i was scrolling here well first of all jesus i i mentioned before about how life can change in an instant you know referencing your brother you had your own incident there i can't believe this oh my god i'm glad you're okay thank you i appreciate that it was tough to kind of we all it was right before you could hear like the thump 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 of us hitting the guardrail Right. So the next year on a bus, every time we hit the rumble strips, I kind of oh. like opened my eyes. Like, yeah, it was it was kind of tough to get over, but uh, yeah, well, that's a real thing. Yeah, that was yeah some major injuries for some of the guys for sure. So um, before we get to the end of the season, because I was scrolling and I saw the notes I made about your uh, your end of the season there, uh, your first professional fight, uh, I have your first unofficial pro fight was in the exhibition against Colin Murphy of Portland. And then your first official professional fight was against Justin Soriel of Hartford. Is that correct? I know the Soriel one. I can remember yeah. that one. Mm-hmm. There was a video. I did, yeah, yeah, I did have one in exhibition for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Soriel caught me with a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I might have dropped to my knees. But mm-hmm. the story about that one, I'm I'm a firefighter now in, in the Vancouver area mm-hmm. in Surrey, British Columbia. And when you get hired, you have to, we had to do this May Day presentation. So, you know, if like the house collapsed, you're inside, you have to do a May Day. So I did a PowerPoint and at the end, I put up this clip of me and Soriel of that fight. Uh-huh. And I started playing it and I said, this is when I would yell, May Day is when he starts hammering with left, it was left to right. <laughs> and the guys, the three, four guys that were on crew, they just loved, I loved it. I kind of tested them all the first day and I figured they would like it. And I think yeah. that was a big, it's tough to get on over here in, yeah. in this area as a firefighter. I think that definitely helped show my personality and the type of guy I was and they loved it. And I wasn't afraid to uh, show myself in a, mm-hmm. in a humiliating kind of position, you know, getting beat up. Well, you know, I mean, uh, you're not, nobody's winning all their fights anyway. So uh, you're just a kid. Then. So another, yeah. Another Trevor Gillies quote yep. is, if you're winning every fight, you're not fighting the right guys. That's right. That's right. And that's for sure. Is um 
Am I completely crazy, or is Gary Nyland a fireman uh, up uh, by you? Yeah, he is in a city called Delta. Okay. okay. So we play, there's firefighter tournaments all the time, hockey mm-hmm. tournaments, but he doesn't play. He, I think he played a little bit when he retired and got on, but yeah. guys would try and fight him. Yeah, I bet. Uh, my first, I was three months on the job and played a tournament, I ended up getting a fight against the uh, Burnaby firefighters, and I was just like, <laughs> I don't play much. Right. That's the reason why I don't play much men's league is because there's guys like that will slash and hack and yeah i've had enough of that i just want to play hockey and then i can't uh control myself yeah so i i don't play a couple times a year mm-hmm. but mostly just uh with the young kids teaching them i got you now I, again i don't know if you're aware of this but a week after your fight with soria you did score your first professional point with an assist against providence i don't know if you were aware of that uh, i don't remember it but you um, did but you did probably so. pa- probably a breakout pass to uh, one of the wingers <laughs> something like that. <laughs> they all count. They all count. Oh yeah, dude. come on. No, it was always nice. Always nice to get a couple. Mm. Uh, first fight I want to ask you about. You had a really good tilt uh, in, uh, or I don't know if it was in Binghamton or against Binghamton, but against Chaz Johnson. You remember that one? I do. Yeah, mm. I broke my thumb in that fight. Oh shit. Um, yeah, it was it was a tough time. I started. I was in the lineup. I cracked the top six. I was playing a lot. Um, and yeah, I mean, Gilly's talked about, it. he thinks maybe I went for an uppercut mm-hmm. and didn't s- switch, turn my fist over and kind of like hammer, hammered it straight mm-hmm. up. He thinks that's maybe how it broke, mm-hmm. but, uh, definitely had him in a vul- vulnerable position in the fight and he had his head over Jersey over his head and he came back with one big, big shot. Didn't hit me, but kind of threw me off balance. Mm-hmm. But, uh, that was a good one. I felt good after that, but it was just unfortunate after, you know, playing, starting to play a lot. And and then go with a, a thumb injury, which set me back eight weeks, and then a little stint in the East Coast League to get the conditioning stint. That's what I was going to ask you about, because um, you know I tried to do a chronological, and the next thing was uh, going down to Florida. So I was wondering if that was uh, like a rehab conditioning stint. It wasn't any performance thing or anything. It was just getting you back into uh, game shape, right? Yeah, getting some, getting a game in, getting mm-hmm. some ice time, and. They told me not to fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, did I have any down there? I guess. Yeah, a guy you might have heard of, Miles Stays. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that one. I, I lined up near him, and he's like, look what the cat took out of the bag or something <laughs> like that. And I'm like, all right, let's go. And I don't really remember how the fight went, but mm-hmm. I, uh, some for some reason that, that saying stuck with me. Mm-hmm. The the cool thing about uh, about this season for for someone like myself is uh there's a lot of foreshadowing that's going to happen in the next little bit because uh when you got back to albany there was a game in february you had two fight game against syracuse uh in the second fight you had a marathon bout with tom sestito who will also um, make an appearance later in this interview from uh, your time over in england uh was this your first experience with sestito uh in the syracuse game yeah i think so sestito is one of those guys like he would they maybe crossed the line of the things mm-hmm. he said on the ice and his gestures and one of the guys I didn't didn't respect. There's not many, mm-hmm. uh, but he was one of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think we had a good a good bout. Was my first one against Kevin Harvey that yeah mm-hmm. that game as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, who I ended up playing with in over in England as well okay. uh, later on. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think we had a good toe to toe, kind of strung each other out a little bit, but. Uh, yeah, he was always saying a lot of, he would 
stuff on the ice that mm-hmm. was a little maybe offside. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, well, that makes sense then. Uh, that Also, this was your first uh, of four bouts with uh, Devin uh, Didiomite. Am I saying his name right? Yeah, it's something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, he's another guy that we'll talk about when uh, we get to England, but this is the first time you ran into him, I guess, correct? Yeah, I did, didn't know much about him. Yeah. Um, I think there was a picture of him and I, and my parents had it on. I blew it up and mm-hmm. put it on my parents' wall and kind of came full circle um, when I started fighting him over in England. and took mm-hmm. a picture of it and put it on Twitter. But, uh, yeah, I think a couple of the forwards weren't too happy. I think they were on a two-on-one mm-hmm. when we kind of were behind the play and ended up scrapping. Um, don't remember too much about mm-hmm. it, but I remember that and the picture of it. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, got to know Devin a little bit more over in England as uh, more of a rival. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it seems like uh, just from, and uh, you know, we'll talk about your Twitter stuff, but it seemed like uh, towards the end, it was more of a, like a, a respectful rivalry. It wasn't really uh, where Sestito, it didn't seem like you guys could pal around. It seemed like you could fight Devin, but then maybe go out for a beer after. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Most, and uh, most guys, most guys are like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's just something about about Sestito that yeah. uh, kind of pushed my buttons, and uh, if he, you know, I would keep going. You yeah, know, yeah. as if Devin said he was done. Mm-hmm. Okay, then over in England. Okay, okay, we're done then. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Tom, I was just uh, as we'll get into later about yeah. Twitter, and mm-hmm. you probably have some of the tweets lined up that uh, <laughs> will bring back some memories. Well, I, I mean, this stuff. It's a shame you're not very active on Twitter anymore. Let's put it that way. <laughs> So, I know once I left England, it kind of yeah. Kinda, it was more for more for the personality as personality aspect over there, and yep. you know for the fans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had uh, a game at the Spectrum. So first of all, this fight, I'm watching it. I'm getting tired just watching it. The marathon fight you had with uh, Jeff Suez uh, at the Spectrum. You fought. I don't know how in the world you had enough energy to have a second fight that game, Josh Bolio, but. Uh, how I, mean, I think a lot of times for bigger guys, cardio sometimes is an issue. Uh, how was your cardio? Because you didn't, I don't know if you gassed out after that, but you didn't stop. Like I was sitting here going, damn, this guy's got some pretty good cardio. Yeah. Just kind of watching Gillies. Like you yeah. keep going, you mm-hmm. keep going. And, uh, but I mean, by the end of that one, if like you see the punches that we might land, yeah. mm-hmm. the head's not even going to move right, really. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was going to keep, if he was going to keep going, I was going to keep going. And I think it was near the end of the period, so we went to the dressing rooms. Okay. And by the end of the intermission and come back on the ice, I was like, I was still tired. Yeah. And that's the one and only time that I've ever felt that. I'm like, I'm still exhausted from that fight. And anything over a minute, I don't know how long that one was. Yeah. was well over a minute. It's just, it drains you. And... I think that that's probably my longest yeah. fight I've ever had, and just toe to toe with with Schwez. Yeah, and I'm sure, he, hopefully, he was feeling just as tired as I was. I don't see how he could, and I mean, that was like at a certain point you entered Cam Jansen territory as far as length of time goes. I mean, that was that was crazy. Yeah, you see the punches thrown. It's like yeah. those are pointless because <laughs> if you're gonna be hit them, it's just like you're tapping them on the mm-hmm. head. But mm-hmm. uh, it's good to get into those too, just to show that you can go the distance yeah, and uh, you're not just 15 seconds and fall on your butt. Right. 
Uh, another guy that you fought that had has Bridgeport connections. Uh, you guys didn't play together. You didn't uh, meet up there. Uh, and I, I don't know what happened in the fight. Uh, Brett Westgarth, who was with Worcester at the time, do you remember fighting him? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I think there was two fights maybe went on at the same time. Okay. Um, I think I had his helmet off, and mm-hmm. I remember jersey jabbing him, but my hand still had a grip of his... I think this is the fight of his chin chin strap. Okay. It was kind of bouncing him in the head. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that's about that's about it. These these the fights that I remember the most are the mm-hmm. ones there's video there's videos of or I've yeah. seen a video mm-hmm. of <laughs> when you when they happen. It's just kind of like you're in the moment. Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, and then it's nice to kind of watch that video of them. It kind of imprints in your brain after that. Yep. Yeah. No. And like I said, some of these may not be any you know anything if if there isn't a video let's say i just see the name and because he has a connection to the islanders i i just want to ask it but uh definitely you already brought this guy up before another guy with connections to the islanders so uh this is a baby face ben olsen rookie going up against jeremy yablonski as his final fight of the season uh what a way to end the season right yeah it's not what i wanted <laughs> not to be honest yeah uh, Albany Binghamton, both yeah. out of the playoffs last game of the year. Okay, let's just, I've already been in a ton of fights. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to fight Jeremy Oblonsky. Yeah. My roommate, uh, Ryan Weston, he kept chirping at, at Yabo. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Westy, I'm like, <laughs> don't poke the bear. Like, calm down. Yeah. Like, Gillies is still injured. Mm-hmm. So I'm the guy. And he just kept going, and then I'm like, oh, man. And then there's something happened in front of the net where Mm -hmm. our goalie kind of got hit into, and there's a scuffle, and people started squaring off, and Yabo grabbed me. I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) So immediately dropped the gloves, get my reach, grab him just under the neck in the the front of the jersey. He rips his helmet off, Mm -hmm. and he goes, take your helmet off. Well, I was like, no, you take it <laughs> off. Because I didn't want to let go of my hand. I had right. a perfect position to start this fight. Mm-hmm. So he, like, reaches over my head, rips my helmet off. He's like, let's go. And I got one good right, cracked him right in the head. Mm-hmm. And then he, for only time it's ever happened to me, he started hammering my left arm mm-hmm. in the elbow. Yeah. So it started to bend yeah. to bring me in. Mm-hmm. And then it bent me over. And he probably fed me three or four uppercuts. Yeah. And I knew at this time there was no linesman coming. Right. So I was like, I'm going down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's enough. And the goalies ended up fighting at the same time or just after that. And thankfully, Yabos, he's a respectful guy. Yeah. And after that, he just, like, let me go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, I got one shot in at the start, and then it was all it was all Jeremy Oblonsky <laughs> after that. So when, uh, when you look back, when you think back to that season, your first year pro coming out of junior and everything, um, what were your impressions that year, like, did you feel like you did you feel like you fit in? I mean, obviously, you spent the majority of the year in the American League. You didn't play every game, but you weren't out of place there. I mean, was it something that you said, "Hey, I can do this"? Yeah, I felt the more the more I played, the more comfortable I got. And mm-hmm. I think uh, fighting wise, when I took on John Morasti um, that first year, mm-hmm. tell you the story about that one. Yep. He's he's our goalie, Justin Peters, is stretching at the blue line or sorry, red line. Mm-hmm. Uh, during warm-ups, the game before he fought a player, Justin mm-hmm. Peters fought a player, Okay. and uh, Morasti goes to him, and I'm kind of over that area, mm-hmm. he's like, 
hey, we're fighting tonight to our goalie. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. And I, I had wanted I wanted to fight him because that was the time. It was after the bus crash. And I was yeah. getting lots of ice. And um, I go. I, then I start stretching beside him. Like, I'm like, hey, Marasty, you want to give me a shot? Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah. We're going twice, though. I'm like, oh, <laughs> win or lose, win, lose, draw. Yeah. We're going twice. And I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, okay. Mm. So, like, first shift of the game, like, I'm in the, actually, after warm-ups, I'm in the dressing room with towel over my head. Like, I'm just going over this fight mm-hmm. in my head, uh, visualizing it. I know what's happening early. And guys are like, oh, you don't have to fight him. You don't have to fight him. Like, guys, I'm fighting him. Yeah. And uh, just visualizing this fight. How can I be successful against this guy? Mm. Like, you're not going to hurt him. Yeah. Um, and I got to use my reach, and I got to keep it uh, the whole time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, first shift of the game, one of our D-men goes out, goes knee on knee and out of the game with an injury. So I'm like, oh, maybe, like, hey, we only got 5D. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, maybe I don't have to fight him. Yeah. But I probably should. And I get on for my first shift. I don't even think there was a line change. And he jumps over the boards and comes straight at me. <laughs> and, uh, and then we go, and I, I, did, I did my plan. I locked mm-hmm. him out. He and I did well for like 30 seconds. He wanted to keep going. And I was like, ah, I think that's probably good for me. <laughs> like, and uh, if you watch in the fight, have you watched the fight? Yeah, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You watch in the fight, he starts wiping his eye. Mm-hmm. So when you break your orbital bone, it feels like your eye is watering. Okay. And uh, he ended up, uh, I found out later playing um, with one of his teammates from then that mm-hmm. he broke his orbital bone. Oh, wow. And he said it might have been, might have been cracked a little bit already, but mm-hmm. he, was wearing a cage in practice after that, and I don't think he played another game oh, wow. um, after that because he was wearing a cage. So I was like, oh, so I did pretty good. <laughs> it's funny because I don't think I, – I think for people that only follow the NHL, I don't think they realize just how tough – you know, the minor leagues can be. And like, we're, you played with Gillies here. You're going up against guys like Yabo and Morasti. Like those are three guys that are as tough as anyone that's ever played in the NHL. I mean, I don't think people really, if they don't know it, they don't understand what it's like for someone like yourself who, yeah, you want to establish yourself as a tough guy, but you also, you know, you're playing for a contract. You want to show Carolina, you want to show Albany that you can play and to go up against guys like that as part of your responsibility I mean, that's a pretty big deal. No, absolutely. Those guys are, and I'm 21, and they're, man, they're, yeah. they're close to 30, I think, at this time. And, they, yeah. and they've had eight, nine years pro under their belt, mm-hmm. and I'm just this young kid yeah. coming in. I'm, like, hoping to survive. <laughs> um, now, the next year, did you go, now, did you sign a one-year deal with Carolina uh, that season, and did you have to re-sign again, or did you just sign with Albany for the following year? Uh, both, both contracts were with Albany. Okay. Uh, one year AHL. Mm-hmm. Deal. So signed a one year and then, uh, signed again another one year AHL deal. Did you go to Carolina camp again or just didn't, come... didn't go that year? They, okay. Yeah. They changed it up. They didn't have their, oh, okay. uh, AHL contracts go, which was disappointing because that was always yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. To go up there. And you would think this season they'd have equipment for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I probably had enough equipment from the season before that yeah. I didn't need, didn't need his stuff again. <laughs> now, that season uh, with Albany, uh, you had three fights to start the season. You had a really good fight with Jimmy Bono of Rochester. Uh, you played nine games, but then you were sent to Florida. Uh, were you given an explanation as to as to why you were going to Florida? Yeah, I think they just they had other guys they wanted in the lineup, and mm. they thought 
me at 20, I think I'm 22 now, to get ice time and play more minutes would be more beneficial for me. And, I mean, if you're going to get sent to the East Coast League, that's one of the best spots you're going to go to. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was like, you know, walking in flip-flops and shorts to the arena every day was, mm-hmm. was okay. Obviously, you want to be in the American League, but yeah. Uh, that was, yeah, they wanted, they thought that'd be more beneficial for me it was to be in the in the East Coast League. Uh, so I'm going to ask you about a teammate you had there, and I'm going to give him shit because uh, the cool thing about hockey is it's like a small world type thing where you could say, oh, I know this guy. Oh, I know that guy. So I have a friend, Bob, who I've known for a very long time, who is very close with Ernie Hartley, who is from, uh, I think, Michigan. And I reached out to Ernie to give me some good Ben Olsen stories. And it's never it's never a good time. Either I'm doing something or he's working or whatever. So uh, I just think that's the cool thing about hockey. Everyone knows someone who knows someone else. So I'll ask you, you have any good Ernie Hartleap stories? Big, we'll call him the Big Ern. Okay. Um, actually, I was just two days after we kind of lined this up, I was on my Instagram and I saw it clicked on my direct messages and I saw one. Mm-hmm. It was from his wife. Yeah. Um, from June, mid of, middle of June. Oh, okay. And I said, hey, call or text Ernie wants to get a hold of you, and he wanted to chat, I think, maybe before maybe before we connected. Maybe, but he yeah. was trying to, to try and line us up, and I had mm-hmm. a good chat with him Yeah. Uh, for 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, uh, Big Ern was, he was, the say, the quarterback of the team. He would line up all the parties. He would line up rookie party, like get the party bus, <clears> and we're heading to the beach. <clears throat> and all the rookies are in speedos so we're in traffic so they're beside the bus doing lunges as we crawl <laughs> through traffic and they're on a scat he lined up the scavenger hunt get the, the booze down the beach this is like during spring break time so it's a bit wild yeah and uh but he was that kind of guy and whatever and he had a big he had a nice house down there so a, like super bowl party is there any sort of house party where we're going to see bigger and we're going to yeah. bigger and house and he was just a legend down there yeah Nice, nice. Now, one thing I noticed, not all of these of your fights from this year are available, but some of them are, and the ones that are, uh, you, like, I don't want to say you destroy guys, but you had a really good year fighting uh, this season with Florida. Did you think that stems from playing that full season up, and basically the full season with Albany and the caliber of opponent you had the year before? Yeah, I think definitely fighting, you know, fighting the Yabos, the Morastis, and uh, the American Hockey League, definitely all, all the tough guys. Mm-hmm. The toughest of the tough guys are probably there, even more so than the NHL. Where yeah. There's some, but mm-hmm. there's even more in the AHL. Yeah. And I think being able to hand, being able to stand in with those guys as best as they could mm-hmm. and then dropping down a level gave me more confidence. It was another year I got stronger, uh, more comfortable. And, yeah, definitely a good, a good year. And mm-hmm. I think... The fans really enjoyed it, and the coaching staff as well. Now, uh, I'm going to ask you about a few of these fights, and it seems like you started the year with a really good tilt against T.J. Reynolds, who was with Charlotte at the time. Do you remember that? Uh, I don't. Okay. Well, you did great. Is, it on, is there a video of it? There has to be, because on the fights I'm going to ask you about that there aren't video, I don't have video. I, I actually write right. no video, so that one is out there. All right. I don't remember it. Okay. No. I remember later in the year uh, fighting against Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was with Charlotte, and okay. uh, we're down. I think he had a broken hand at the time, and we're down 5-0 going into the third period, mm-hmm. and the coach puts me on right wing. 
So I'm like, oh, I know what this means. <laughs> I, I'm trying to fight. So I'm playing defense and trying to fight somebody. So I asked their whole team. I go to their bench, try to like go at their whole bench. No one's going to fight me. And uh, we win the draw. It gets dumped in. The goalie stops it behind the net, and I'm coming hard down the boards. And he plays it, and I just take out the goalie. Oh, nice. Um, got a two-game suspension mm-hmm. um, from that, and Reynolds is chirping. He couldn't fight because right, he right. had a broken hand. And mm-hmm. then the next time we played them, Reynolds was still out. I think I ended up fighting someone else. Okay. But uh, I don't remember my fight uh, against him. Okay. What about uh, Ryan Schnell of Wheeling? I have that noted as a toe-to-toe. Yeah, there's okay. uh, yeah. There's a video of that one out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I think I land quite a few rights on him, and uh, he drops to his knees at one point, mm-hmm. uh, buckled his knees a little bit, but that was that was a good one at home, and it's mm-hmm. always nice to get a fight at home because the fans really love it. Yeah, uh, I'm assuming during your time there, uh, Gwinnett was a was a rival of Florida, and uh, I saw you had a really really good war with uh, Chad Denny. Do you remember that one? I do, yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was a toe to toe. It was yeah. tougher than I was expecting for sure, mm-hmm. and uh, I think we went for quite a while. And he maybe got. I think I might have been a little conf- too confident going to that one, not expecting his, him to be as tough. But mm-hmm. I think we went for quite a while on that one. Uh, you had uh, a two fight game against Elmira, and uh, one guy. I don't know. Did you play against uh, Joe Grimaldi in England, or did you not overlap there? I don't think we overlapped, no. Okay, so you fought him first, and then you stepped up in weight class later that game, and you fought a guy who is probably the toughest guy still playing right now, and that's Brett Gallant. Uh, you remember oh. fighting You remember fighting Brett Gallant? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that one. Because yeah. We ended up being roommates in Bridgeport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, he's, I think he's probably been said before, probably could be the toughest pound-for-pound pound fighter. And... One thing when I go would fight smaller guys, I just use my reach and hit them. And he was like so technical and so smart. He would wait for you to throw, and he would pull you a little bit, mm-hmm. and he would just counter punch you every time yep. and catch you. And yeah, I was in Elmira, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, definitely caught me off guard. I didn't know a lot about him at the time. I think we we're the same age. He might be a year younger than me. Mm-hmm. But uh, oh yeah, definitely a tough customer, and uh, got to got to meet him in Bridgeport yeah. um, our first year, and then we roomed together the next year when we were there. Yeah, he's well. We'll talk about the Bridgeport stuff when we get there. Uh, two guys I want to ask you about that uh, I don't have video on. Uh, one guy who played with Bridgeport, uh, Olivier Labelle, who was with Reading at the time. Do you remember fighting him? I don't. I don't think he was much of a fighter, though. Yeah, he puts up a lot of penalty minutes. Uh, I think he's. I think in the lower leagues, he's actually he actually scores a bit. Um, yeah. So I think he's he's maybe, maybe he's was. like a pester or something like that. But yeah, I think he plays a little physical, but uh, not a heavyweight or anything. I think too many punches to the head, Joe. I, yeah. I'm not. Uh, I'm not remembering no. a lot of these fights. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, it's a or too many, too many fights. <laughs> it's a the, the stuff that you guys remember is is just amazing for me. So this is fantastic. Um, and then a final guy that year who you talk about uh, fighting a smaller guy, uh, Tyler Willis. You fought him. Uh, he's with Kalamazoo, and I mean he's. Uh, you know, a little scrappy guy, but he doesn't take a backseat to anybody. Did you remember fighting Tyler Willis? I don't as well. Okay. But uh, I, I think maybe that time in, in Florida, was, mm-hmm. 
kind of similar to the my time in England or the end of my junior career where I felt like more comfortable and I mm-hmm. would, if someone's going to do something they're going to you know, pay the piper I yep. guess is what mm-hmm. you could say yeah and no what not worried about anyone else on the other team I got you and there's probably something like that that yep. happened well Willis is he's not afraid to start shit either so he very possibly could have done something to you or to one of your teammates so uh so that could have happened he's a fun little guy to watch so uh so how did you end up signing with uh, Cincinnati I that yeah I was hoping to get back in the American Hockey League yeah um didn't, didn't find anything my agent uh got me a tryout uh, rookie camp tryout. I think I was 23 now, so old. One of the older guys going in rookie camp with yeah. uh, Anaheim. Mm-hmm. So we were up in Penticton, BC, okay. close to home, mm-hmm. and a little three or four game tournament. I got into one game there. Um, tried to fight. Mm-hmm. There was one guy with Calgary's team that was a tough guy. I remember I'm from junior, but he wouldn't fight me. He's like, "Ah, oh, coach has told me not to fight." I'm like, "Come on, man!" <laughs> and I tried everything. Yeah, and he wouldn't fight me. Mm-hmm. Only got the one of the three games in. Okay, um, and then went down to Syracuse, which yes. is their farm team. They they got me a tryout there. Mm-hmm. John Morasti was there, and we'd already fought. Like all these these tough guys are just the best guys. Yep, mm-hmm. you know, come up to you right away. Yeah, you know, there's a guy I was hanging out with off the ice. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd have me over to his place, um, and don't think I ever really maybe played an exhibition game or two and was there. I remember I was there at the start of the year mm-hmm. or one game we were playing Cleveland and they had uh, Bortolo okay. and he was just running around. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where Marasti was at this time. He mustn't have been in the lineup. Okay. Maybe he was injured and we're playing them the next night. I'm like, I'm in this next game. Like I got to fight this. I'm going to fight this guy for sure. Mm-hmm. And I'm in warm up, take warm up and they scratch him. Oh. For warm up, so I get scratched as well, and I think that was the only the only shot I had at playing a game. And they decided to release me and mm-hmm. asked if I would go to Cincinnati and talk to my agent. Agent, my agent knew the coach there, and uh, uh, ended up being a pretty good spot for me. Mm-hmm. Now, before we get to Cincinnati, uh, that preseason you had a, a couple. I think it was one game, maybe two, against Wilkesbury. And uh, you fought Andrew Lord, which there is no video of, but I know you had fought him the year before. But then there's a fight that there is video of, and it is an absolute war with uh, Pascal Morenci. Do you remember that fight with Pascal? Oh, he's a lefty. Is is he a lefty? I think he goes with both hands. Both I, with both. I yeah. Kind of, I, I kind of remember that. Yeah. yeah. Was that was with I was with Syracuse. Yep. Uh, I do. Yeah, yeah. I think it lasted quite a while. I yes. don't remember a lot, but I remember. Yeah. Uh, yeah, fighting him and uh, it being a long one and mm-hmm. him being a smaller guy. It's yep. like, you know, when you fight the smaller guys, it's like, if you win, yeah, you're supposed to, but if you lose, it's like, oh, it doesn't look as great. So you'd be a little careful fighting the smaller guys. But, yeah, he is a warrior, and that guy, so that's a tough guy right there. Yeah, you should. it's on YouTube, so uh, if you wanted to watch it, it's there. I'm watching this fight, and I love both you guys, and I'm like, damn, this is unbelievable. Like, it just... So much respect for the two of you, and like I said, especially a guy like that, because it looks like you're fighting a kid, you know. In a lot of your fights, you're so much bigger than the opponent. It looks like you're just, you know, big brothering guys. And then the guy like Pascal, who does, he just he'll fight you till the end. And 
I was like, man, this is that that's really one of the reasons why I do a show like this, just the amount of respect I have for the job that you guys do. It's it's so unbelievable. So uh so yeah, that fight was a pretty good one if you want to go back and uh, and take a look at it. So Yeah, I definitely will. Um you led the team in penalty minutes that year. I don't recall you having a very tough team. Uh and you had uh you started the year yeah, the first of three fights against a guy who I think you did battle with over in uh, England also. And again, I think it's a rivalry, but I think it's based on respect. Uh, it's a guy I have a ton of respect for, and it's Adam Keefe, who uh, over the years you fought him six times. And I think the first time was with Cincinnati. So what are your recollections of playing against Keefe and fighting him? Yeah, Kiefer, that yeah. that guy, he's a warrior. Yeah. Like he will, and again, not being the biggest guy, he will fight anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, my fights with him over in England are a little fresher, and yeah. I don't remember how those go. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, a bit of a rivalry with Toledo. Yeah. Um, they were pretty close to us. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for our team, we had a guy named James Delory. He, okay. was, uh, he was a pretty tough guy. He was about my height and a forward. Um, and he was he was getting in quite a few fights with us as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Kiefer like tons of respect. Mm-hmm. Like even over in England, yeah. I think he might still be there as a he coach. Is. Like, yep. Mm-hmm. And you know, his brother with Toronto, just just the hockey family right there. And he yeah. would he'll do anything for his team. The, the kind of guy you want on your team, definitely. Right. Tough. Yep. You don't want to play against them, but you yep. want him on your team. Mm-hmm. Uh, another guy that you fought, I believe, three times that year is a guy in Kalamazoo. Name uh, Brian uh, Jerniak or Jerniak? Did I say his yeah. name right? Oh yeah, Fought I remember him. one. Okay, I think I remember one because I think there's a video of it. Yep, mm-hmm. and kind of a slow mo video as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just I I had my way with him. Yeah. Um, when we circle back to England, there's uh, a connection there as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he yeah I remember yeah I remember fighting him that one mm-hmm. time for sure at home and I had my way with him. <laughs> Uh, January 28th, 2011, he probably doesn't mean much to you, but I don't know if you remember what happened, uh, in a game against South Carolina. Uh, that was my first goal. First professional goal. Take me first through it. Goal. I remember, uh, but, it's kind of similar as when I, we were talking about scoring on Carey Price mm-hmm. and, uh, at the left point and got a pass and took a shot as my follow through went through. It went right into their defender, and my stick snapped, and mm-hmm. then just, uh, I don't know where it went, but uh, it went in. Yeah, I was pretty yeah. pumped about that. Got the yeah. puck. It's lying around the house somewhere here. Yeah, you're going to have to send me some pictures of the man cave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got uh, I got a jersey of, of my, I, one thing my uncle told me, is like, you should, my parents never did, but my uncle was like, you should get a jersey from everywhere you play. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I know. But then when I got to England, I knew, like, oh, I might be done soon. I got yeah. one from England. I have one from Seattle. Nice. And that's it. The kind of the start and the end. But it would have been nice to have a bridgey one or or an Albany or Florida or something like that. Well, we'll we'll talk. But, when when we're done recording, I'll tell you. Uh, I know where one of your Albany jerseys are. Okay. Yeah, I'll let you know in case yeah. you want. Uh, yeah. So we've t- <laughs> you've said a few times, is there a video on out? Is there a video out? And I said, yes, there is a video uh, a music video from your time with the Cyclones called I'm on the Clones. Uh, <laughs> tell me about that video. Yeah, I got a bit of a guest appearance in that one. So yes. if, for those who remember the Lonely Island with, uh, they were on SNL, um, and they had a song called I'm on a Boat. 
Okay. And this was like uh, to the same tune, the same kind of lyrics as I'm on a boat. Okay. And a guy named our team, named Scott Lehman, uh, he wrote these lyrics years before. He's like, I've always wanted to do a video. Mm-hmm. And when we were in Cincinnati, um, kind of came to, like one of the guys had a charity was starting up and we had a uh, film crew and a studio step up as charity to to record and and for us so yeah it's pretty funny uh it's been a while since i watched it but i have a little stint at the start and yep. uh, in the middle as well mm-hmm. and uh, a cool experience just like we went into a recording studio um and i did our lyrics and the other guys are doing theirs and we had the, the film crew on the ice and it's a very well done video, not like it's some someone on their cell phone or something. Right. Yeah. Um, so if you ask those out there listening want to want to watch it, it's called "I'm on the Clones" and it should pop up on YouTube uh, right away. And I think at the start there's a there's a picture a kid made that said "Unleash Olson," mm-hmm. and that's kind of the reputation I had in Cincinnati as the as the tough guy there, and all the fans knew me as that. Well, I'm glad you told me that because since I don't, I'm not familiar with the SNL skit, I had no idea where that came from. I just, I spent most of the video laughing because it just, you know what it seems like? And it's a cool thing when you have a team, it it looks like you guys were a close-knit group and it just looked like you guys had a ton of fun making that video. Like, I can't say much for your singing, but you guys look like you had fun filming that. Oh, a ton of fun. Yeah, yeah. we're a very close team. Um just like we we played downtown, we lived out in the suburbs, and we played downtown Cincinnati. And mm-hmm. we, you know, we would get together. If a couple of guys were going out for beers after the game, like almost the whole team would show up, and a uh, really close group. Um, but yeah, check out "I'm on a Boat." You might remember it. It was uh, yeah, the SNL guy. So it's the same tune. Okay. Same tune as that, and then watch the Clones one as well, and you'll. It'll probably make it a little bit funnier. Okay, I definitely am because I want to. I, I, like I said, I had no idea what it was. I mean, I'm I'm so old, Ben. I go back to the original SNL lineup, so I haven't watched yeah. SNL in a while. So I'm gonna have to. So uh, it would have been uh, Andy Andy Samberg. Okay, that that era. Okay. So that that guy there, yeah, they had okay. a, a a band called the Lonely Island, and they had skits, and they had the one with Justin Timberlake. Oh, uh, Dick in a Dick, box. Dick in a box. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so okay. it's, it's that guy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that year you played one game in Milwaukee. I don't know if you were just there for the day or anything. So I don't know if uh, the two guys I'm going to ask you about, if they made an impression on, impression on you at all. But uh, Lane Lambert was the head coach who's an assistant coach here with the Islanders. That's always rumored to be uh, getting a head coaching job every time there's uh, vacancies. And the assistant coach was Ian Herbers, who uh, big defenseman, similar style to you. So like I said, I don't know how long you were in Milwaukee for if they were even able to make an impression on you at all. Yeah, I was there not long enough for an impression. I think I flew in one night practice, <laughs> one practice as a forward yeah, and a couple of shifts the next night mm-hmm. and uh, tried to get into a fight, but with only three shifts and, uh, no one, no one, uh, saying yes. And then, yeah. um, I remember though, after, I don't know if it was because what happened in Cincinnati, but that, that same night, uh, a guy named, I think Tim Spencer was running around and bullying Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, and we played, they played the next night mm-hmm. in against the same team. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went out in Milwaukee. What a great town. I don't know who the guys were, but we went out and mm-hmm. 
had some drinks, and it was an awesome time. And I remember getting a call at like 7 a.m. I was like, yeah, you got a plane to catch at 10. I'm like, oh, man, because it's supposed <laughs> to be a day off. It was a day off in Milwaukee. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, gather things up, like wait for the car to come. And yeah. <laughs> a little hungover. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I like I some of the guys I talked to, like, yeah, this guy is running around, running his mouth, a bit of a bully out there, which is fine. I totally respect. I've done the same thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, I got hung over. I got to go fight this guy. But uh, we chatted a bit in warm ups and uh, a lot of respect, and nothing ended up happening in that game. I mean, if I wanted to, maybe it would have, but yeah, uh, I feel like it was the night for me. So, how did you end up in Bridgeport? Yeah, I, I I just got a call. I think the coach called me in and said, "Hey, uh, is it the coach or maybe my agent? I don't know, but yeah. I think they were looking for I think looking for toughness uh, for the guys they started bringing in around that time." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I got the call. I think I started playing right away. Yeah, um, I think I was there for quite a while. I think I had like around seventeen games. I was injured. Mm-hmm. I think I cut my cut my knee again uh, with a skate blade. Um, during a fight and was out a little bit then, but uh, was able to play. When I was there, I was mm-hmm. playing every game and a uh, ton of fun while I was there, for sure. So we're going to play uh, name association uh, with some of your teammates in Bridgeport. So, uh, so I, And some of these guys, I don't know if you overlapped. So, uh, well, a couple of them I do. Uh, what was it like playing with Michael Haley? Oh, Haley, great guy. Yeah. Like, Another one of those those warriors, one of the guys yeah, you want to have on your team. Not the biggest, but he'll do do anything for your team. He'll fight anybody, and and a pretty good player at that as well. And um, yeah, definitely a good guy to have on the team for sure. Uh, is it uh, more of a relief being in the same locker room as uh, Brett Gallant or being uh, squared off against him? No, it's always nice to have a guy with uh, a similar role. You can just yeah. t- chat, bounce ideas off each other, mm-hmm. watch video of other guys, and, uh, you know, kind of scout out the other team beforehand. And, uh, yeah, Brett's a very smart fighter. And, uh, no, definitely thankful to have him on my team and living in the hotel with him as well. Did you um, overlap with Yabo down in Bridgeport? I did. I think my next, I think it might have been my, one of the years I was, yeah, and I think he was injured. Okay. I don't, maybe that was that first year. That was year. that year, yep. Mm-hmm. I think it was that year, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was there. I think he was injured most of the time. Actually, okay. yeah, because remember when I fought Recklich, he was up in the stands, and we were chatted after about it. But, uh, um, yeah, he another great guy. Like, we had scrapped once, like, yeah. never was never brought up, but... You know, he would after a fight, he would talk to me about it. Yeah. And uh, uh, a great guy, great human. You know, you wouldn't if you just watch the fights and what they are. The, yeah. the guys that do that, that's just not who they are as a person. It's just like that's your job. That's mm-hmm. what we do is their job. Um, not a fighter, but a guy I always enjoyed watching. Uh, scrappy guy, whatever. Uh, Justin De Benedetto. Did you play with him? Yeah, I did. Oh, that guy, he hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> hilarious, that guy. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, just run around mm-hmm. and, yeah, reckless uh, uh, rat, if you want to say rat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but those those are the kind of guys you want on your team, right? You hate playing yeah. against them. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this this guy again. And yep. he'll, yeah, great guy. Uh, next three guys, I don't know if you overlap because they didn't play long down there. Uh, Matt Martin, did you overlap with him? Uh, I don't know. I don't think we overlapped there, but mm-hmm. uh, the following year yep. at, mm-hmm. uh, at training camp, either yeah. training camp or I went to their summer. Yep development Mm -hmm. camp so uh but did i don't think we played but either in training camp or uh a development camp in the summer we 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 met Mm -hmm. uh riley emerson yeah riley he lives out this way now yeah um he came in as my roommate i got that was when i was injured okay uh they brought riley in and we were roommates in the hotel at in bridgeport Mm -hmm. um but he had a tough Tough first game. I think it was the first game where he fought uh, uh, a guy who ended up, I think, he with the Islanders later. Um, mm. But uh, yeah. yeah, he took a big left, a big left. Um, Justin Johnson. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He mm-hmm. fought him, and Justin lefty caught him with a big left, and he okay. went down. And I think that uh, he played a couple games after that, but mm. uh, I think I got healthy after that, but. Yeah, me and Riley were were roommates, and me and his brother now are are pretty close in the hockey world. He kind of got me my first job coaching at an Adam rep team out here. Oh, good. Um, if uh, if you and Riley walk down the hallway, I mean, is it, can you see behind you? I mean, he's bigger than you are. Well, taller anyway, but uh, that must have been a sight to see. Twin Towers. Yeah, coming down the hallway at the hotel. <laughs> yeah. He's. Uh, I always find it weird looking up to someone yeah. to talk to. Like it doesn't happen very often. He's one of the guys where, yeah, yeah I'm looking up to mm-hmm. to speak to him. And uh, he only played two games for Bridgeport that year. Uh, did you overlap with Mike Scroy? Scroy came in at the last two games of the year. Okay. And I've heard sto- I heard always heard stories of Scroy, mm-hmm. but never met him. And yeah, from what I do remember, yeah, is him in the change room. Mm-hmm. Not wearing shoulder pads, but he has caps sewn to his suspenders. Okay. And but no chest guard, nothing on the back. Mm. And then in warm ups doing push ups at the red line. <laughs> nice. <laughs> tried. I don't know if he fought I he I know he tried to fight. I don't know if he ended up fighting while he was with us, but that's kinda and chatting with him on the bus. He was just I thought he was hilarious. But I was only with him for a short time, but yeah. Um, you know, that's one of the names that mm-hmm. in the fight world that that everybody knows. Oh yeah. Yeah. He did not get into any fights. I'm sure it was not for lack of trying. Uh he didn't get any PIMS in the two games. So I'm sure I'm sure he tried though. I'm sure he definitely tried. So Oh for sure. Yeah. Uh how'd you like playing for Jack Capuano? Yeah, he was great to me. Yeah. Um he played me a lot. He a year end meeting had like great things to say, yeah. like I improved like after a few games improved a lot mm-hmm. and they were ha- very happy with uh, the progression progression I made. And I think I was there for a couple months anyways in the 17 yeah. games, but uh, yeah, great. Uh, he was great to me. Yeah. One fight that you did mention when we were talking about Yabo was uh, you fought Joel Recklage in absolute war. Do you remember fighting uh, the record? Yeah, I do. I'll, uh, I guess I'll send you a, a picture I have of that one as well. Oh, um, it's a great picture. Yeah, uh, I do. I started like in front of our net. I think I might have been pushing another guy, and then he he came over, and 
yeah, we squared up and he's a lefty and I remember from training with Gillies as a lefty kind of what he does and I tried to do the same and kind of grab behind and try and beat him to every punch on the inside and it was kind of a bit of a toe-to-toe -to -toe. Um, and uh, I think I did pretty well, yeah, pretty well in that one. Uh, another, Although the, announce, the announcers in the video might think otherwise. Uh, but, uh, well, it's probably, first of all, the American League announcers, depending on who you're watching, some of them are just uh, brutal. Uh, I don't know if anyone's worse than the Scranton, the Wilkes-Barre announcers. Those guys are, <laughs> those guys are the ultimate yeah. homers. But, uh, you know, uh, Hershey also is, uh, you know, that, like I always say, the radio guys work for the team. So uh, you can't really go by what they say. No, for sure. Yeah. Uh, another really great tilt you had was with uh, Zach Fitzgerald, who was with Charlotte at the time. Do you remember that one? I do. Yeah, I remember the. Uh, I watched the video a few times. Uh, it kind of starts in my own end. I think I might have got hit, and I, or no, I hit. I hit a guy. I think it might have been Boychuk, and he comes back at me and cross checks me, and then a bit of a scrum happens at center ice, and him and I kind of square off. Um, and I think I might have played with him in Albany a little bit, so we, yeah, because I was familiar with him. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I landed a couple big ones on him. And when we were in the penalty box, he go, he tells me like my first punch like dazed him. He said he was took a few seconds to get back. Mm -hmm. But uh, you can hear the announcers in that one really. Chir if you list, if you watch it to the end, mm -hmm. the announcers are really chirping me. Um, <laughs> yeah. About and I think we talked about it earlier when I took a run at the goalie. Yeah, because Albany is now in Charlotte, yep. so they obviously had the same announcers as the East Coast team the year before. Mm -hmm. So they were uh, they were bringing that back up. Yeah, and, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was a good one. That was a good scrap with with Fitzy. And uh, you finished the year with rounds two through four against uh, Justin Soriel. So now you're in Bridgeport. He's with Connecticut. So you have that Islander Ranger thing going. Uh, and this was the guy who you had your first uh, your first pro fight against. So uh, was it something where you guys just knew in these games you were going to go at it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to again now yep. at the end of, near the end of the year trying to make mm -hmm. a mark as okay. I don't want to go back to the East Coast League. I want to mm -hmm. be here in the American League. I'm, uh, 23 or something now mm -hmm. and I remember the last whether it was the last I think it might have been the last one but Eric Cairns was on the bench mm -hmm. uh, with us and uh, what a what another great guy yeah. to have mm -hmm. with us he was our assistant coach yep um, and he's uh, there's a guy named Tony Romano he's like hey did you see what sorry I'll just did just uh, Romano I'm like no he's like oh he hit him really high it was it wasn't. It was a bit dirty. Something like yeah, along yeah. those lines mm -hmm. of hinting. I need to go fight him, but also respectful enough not to say, "Hey, go fight this guy." Right. So he's just. I was like off a shift, mm -hmm. sitting down, drinking water, not watching. Yeah. So okay, I know my role. I know if Eric Cairns is telling me something like that, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's go time. So I go to him. I ask him respectfully, yeah. "Hey, let's go. We're fighting." He said no, and then. You know, when the coach, someone like Eric Cairns tells you that, mm -hmm. he, I just didn't give him a choice and dropped my gloves and pulled off his helmet and made him fight me. Yeah. Um, yeah. You do a great Cairns impression, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, that was spot on. It was almost like I was talking to him. Uh, is that what he's like? I guess. Just so you know, that I mean, that was tremendous. Just so you know, spot on Cairnsy right there. Oh, he was uh, what, he was hilarious. Great yeah. guy. and. Mm -hmm. Uh, another 
player like myself. So yeah. he had a respect for me and I had a ton of respect for him, whatever he had to say. I was uh, ears wide open. So, you know, you mentioned that you, your goal is to get back to the American League, stay in the American League. And uh, June of that year, you signed with Bridgeport. So was it, uh, was it a two-way deal or was it just straight Bridgeport? That was uh, straight Bridgeport, mm-hmm. uh, one way, yeah, one way deal, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, and you attended. You you had alluded to it earlier. Uh, you attended the rookie camp, and you played uh, in July. Uh, you played in the blue versus white game uh, in July. You know, uh, Islander blue versus white game. So, uh, did you spend a lot of time that summer here on the island? I did. I think I might have been there for two weeks. Okay. Uh, which is like, oh yeah, of course I'll come. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And there was assistant coach, um, Matt Bertani, mm-hmm. who him and I like really hit it off. I really liked, he would, he would break down video. He would record all my shifts and we would once in a while we'd go over a game and watch all my shifts and he would work on my skating. Like now, like I never had skating coach like him where we're holding inside edges and we're like outside edges, mohawks as they call them now. And, like, I've never done any of this. I could do them, yeah. but I had never practiced them, and he kind of took it to the next level with kind of our team, and I've never seen skating like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I was there for about two weeks, and I also flew back with Rhett Rukshani mm-hmm. to Pittsburgh, um, yeah. spent three or four days in Pittsburgh with him and his family, and he had uh, free ice at this local rink, and we worked on skating for three days as well Mm -hmm. now when you play in a in a game like that blue and white i mean you're playing you're playing other rookies um at this point it's not as uh like the way the league is now where fighting is almost non-existent back then there was still fighting uh it's this it's the middle of the summer your your season has been you know barely over are you looking to make an impression and try to go guys or just try to make an impression otherwise like with defensive play What, what was your mindset with that yeah, I think they told us no, no fighting, but yeah. uh, I think at that point it's like, hey, I can play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that at that point they know I can fight mm-hmm. um, and just like, play with those young, young skill guys and keep up with them mm-hmm. um, is kind of my mindset going into that, that, uh, that week yeah. with them. And uh, once camp started, you got into uh, a rookie game at the Coliseum against the Bruins. Uh, three seconds into the game, you fought Connor Stokes, and I think you were the, actually the second fight that game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, I remember there was, I think maybe Glatt started as well, and another mm-hmm. guy, and we're all trying to fight, and we're trying to <laughs> line it up, and I wasn't the first one, yeah. but uh, yeah, I must, I saw, but I think there was three, mm-hmm. bang, 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 in the first five seconds, and uh, yeah, another smaller guy, and yeah. uh, you know, first fight of the year, you're you're trying to get back on balance. You're trying to sort things out and uh, probably could have had a bit better balance, but uh, I think I'd probably give myself the edge in that one. But uh, what a, what a bit of honor to, you know, have the Islanders Jersey on in, in the Coliseum yeah. and get into a scrap. Like that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, any memorable moments? Cause now you're back in, in training camp with an NHL team and, um, you know, you know, this is a team that's interested in you. They signed, you know, they signed you to Bridgeport. Uh, like you say, they know what they know what you can do. Um, but now you're in there with the mix of some veteran guys or or stuff like that. Uh, anything memorable from your uh, training camp with the big team? Yeah, actually, to bring it back to the mm-hmm. end, 
the end of the year before, mm-hmm. there was four games. The Bruins had four games left. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a ton of injuries on defense. And another another guy went down. I was on a PTO with Bridgeport. Okay. And the only there was two other guys on AHL deals. Mm-hmm. And uh, Garth tried to call me up for the last four games of the year because those other guys they had to have a it was on the weekend or something and mm-hmm. they would have to do some sort of waiver thing. Okay. On waivers and I was on a PTO where I could just I wasn't on a contract I could just sign. Right. And something went down. My agent missed a bunch of his calls. Oh, shit. Tried calling him back. And the agent was trying to get more money on the American League side deal. So if mm. I got qualified, I would make more money. Yeah. And looking back, like, I'm, we finished the game. And I was like, I had guys were talking like I was going up. Yeah. And um didn't happen and talk to the Asian. He's like, this is best. You'll make more money next year. But he's like, you'll have a chance next year. And I just like, as a young kid, you're just like, yes, yes, yes. Whereas I should have thinking back, went to my coach. I'm like, Hey, like, let me, let's go. I'll go. I'll sign whatever. Right. I think other guys have talked on the pod where whatever the contract isn't that great, but they Mm -hmm. go and they get their couple games. Yeah. And, it's not about money. It's about, you know, Hey, played four games. Yeah. And so that was, that's a tough one as well. I don't talk about it too much with people yeah. as I, but, uh, you know, haven't been able to play four games in NHL would have been, you know, pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you, uh, entrusting me with that information because I had no idea. And, uh, Garth has done that before with guys. He did it with Galley. He did it with Justin Johnson. So, the fact that you're telling me this is absolutely no surprise. I mean, Garth's always a guy that, you know, really seemed like uh, if he liked you, if you played tough, he always tried to look out for you. So, uh, mm-hmm. so it's unfortunate. I would have loved to seen you up here. Yeah, I would have definitely mm-hmm. tried to get into a couple. But uh, going to training camp, um, yeah, that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to remember who was there as uh, tough guys. If Gillies was there at the Gillies time or not? Yeah. yeah, he was there. Gillies was there. So I was mm-hmm. now running back into Gillies and. Yeah. Uh, definitely not looking to fight him or anything in a, in a scrimmage. <laughs> Good but, idea. Uh, pretty cool, like staying in the hotel right across yeah. from the rink. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I definitely remember my one in in Carolina a yeah. lot more mm-hmm. than in that one as being my first one. Yeah. Well, especially with the the story you told about the equipment where they tell you not to bring anything, and so that's always memorable. Yeah. But uh, yeah, definitely a little more a little more experience mm-hmm. than okay. I'm going to bring my own sticks to this <laughs> training camp, so I'm ready to go right away. Yeah, uh, two guys I want to ask you about who were not with Bridgeport the year before. Uh, one guy is uh, Steve Alexi. You remember playing with Steve? Steve Alexi, yeah, he came up. Yeah, he was just. Uh, I think he played. I think we had we had. Is it Brent Thompson as yep. a coach mm-hmm. that year in Bridgeport? Yep. Yes, sir. Um, I think he might have been with them uh, in the East Coast League and called him up. But, yeah, he was, uh, again, not the biggest guy, but yeah. he's going out and will fight anybody and end up getting a nice little a little taste of the NHL. I know he's in Washington. Did he play with the uh, Islanders? No. No. He, oh, I, think yeah, he, I think he was in Washington yep. for a bit. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, and one other guy who is a former guest of the show, uh, that's Blair Riley. Yeah, Blair. Yeah, uh, yeah I've got along with Blair really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and another not not the biggest, but yeah. big heart. 
mm. you know, fast player and the same mindset as me. He's not backing down to anybody and playing that rough, tough game where he doesn't care who you are. He's going to play the same way. Uh, just for people listening, uh, I don't know if you can hear it in the background, but we're uh, we're storming here on Long Island now. So uh, it was really hot here today. So I'm actually surprised it took this long in case people are hearing uh, thunder in the background. But uh, <laughs> but how did you like playing for Brent Thompson? Uh, I was really excited. Yeah, uh, just looking at his career, um, yeah. and it started out really great. I was playing a ton, uh, scrapping, um, and then we we're up in in Newfoundland, St. John's, and I got kind of suckered in front of the net mm-hmm. um, just after the whistle and went down and got a concussion. It took me a month to come back, and uh, it took a while to get back in the lineup, and when I did, um, I, was having, I can remember I was having a good game. I hit the post. I was moving the puck really well, and I went back for the puck, and I got hit high. Oh, shit. And I kind of jumped the guy and mm-hmm. tried to fight him. He turtled, and I got like a 10 and a double. Mm-hmm. And never seen the ice again the rest of that game. And didn't play much uh, in Bridgeport after that. He kept calling up his uh, his guys from the East Coast League that he knew. I got gotcha. um, well, you. When you started the year there, you had four fights with three guys around your size. So now I guess everyone is, uh, everyone's catching up to you size wise. You had two <laughs> versus, uh, Olivier, Olivier Laritzen of Adirondack, one versus Stu Bickle. Uh, Islander fans know him from his time with the Rangers and, uh, one versus Peter Mirth of, uh, Wilkesbury. Any of those, uh, stand out to you at all? Yeah. The, was, uh, was it Olivier Lordson? Yeah. I think, yeah, I think I'm looking up to that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might've been a European, but, uh, yeah, big guy. So definitely changed tactics fighting that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had some, a couple good scraps. I think there's videos of that one. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Murph, uh, I, nothing ringing a bell, but, uh, Stu Bickle. Yeah. We were also in, um, Syracuse together when I had had my little stint there. Okay. Um, and just taught tons of respect. The guy's hilarious. Yeah. Which and most guys are. Mm-hmm. If you don't know them, the most guys are really good. Yeah. Um, and that one's just a war. I think it made like some top 10 fights of the year mm-hmm. in the American League. And we're, we square up. I think we go around center ice and we're just chucking rights. And it's just toe to toe to toe to toe. And yeah. Uh, and pretty long, not like Jeff Schwez long, but, yeah. uh, I think I was bleeding a little bit after that one. And yeah, just the war of a fight. Uh, December 11th, 2011, first American hockey league goal against Springfield. Do you remember that? Yeah. Got put, uh, playing forward mm-hmm. and, uh, the goal, the goalie was Manny legacy. Oh, so and, just, uh, that's the problem. You can only score against big name I guys. Need, like, I need big time guys. In <laughs> that's yeah, the so. issue. And yeah. uh, I think it was like a two on two, and uh, I was driving the net, and the other forward shot it, went off the backboards, uh, short side, and came out, and I'm crashing the net at a pretty tough angle, and kind of had an open net, beat the defenseman. Uh, using my big speed that uh, I'm known for <laughs> and beat the D-man to the puck, though. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, had a kind of bit of half-open net and fired it in. 
Nice. But I uh, really I kind of enjoyed playing forward because when you go from playing defense to forward, you kind of know what it's like to have a big guy coming down and coming down fast yeah. on you. Um, so I did have, I think that was a year maybe I had a few games of forechecking and throwing the body around, but that was playing forward where where I scored that one and had a big, big celebration after that. See, I, I, I figured that, uh, you know, no matter how many interviews you ever do, uh, I want this to be the one where you talk about fighting the most but I, I try to be well-rounded and that's why i keep bringing up all these goals that you scored i want it to be the interview where you talk about your scoring prowess the most also yeah i mean there's not too many times you have to bring it up so it's not <laughs> going to be too big a part of the interview but i appreciate brings back good memories yeah right there's always 20 15 20 fights a year and yep you know one one or two goals and you know the first american league hockey goal obviously stands out in a proud moment yeah and on a well like a a goalie who played a, a lot, a ton of time in the NHL. Yeah, no, um, good stuff. Was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you played one game for Houston. Uh, I don't know if anything memorable would have happened there. You can uh, stop me if it did. Uh, then you found yourself in Alaska, uh, and uh, you played for a coach there, Rob Murray. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with his career. Uh, you know, smaller guy, but uh, played sort of like a Dale Hunter style. Uh, how'd you like playing for Coach Murray? Um, so Alaska would have been before Houston. Okay. I um, yeah, I can't remember too much about him. Okay. Uh, my time. There was a few weeks. I was there for a few weeks. They sent me on a conditioning stint. I've been out of the lineup for a while and they had a couple games at home and then we're going on a big California road trip where there was a ton of games. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't uh, remember too much about, about him. Um, and of course we had mentioned, uh, Garrett Hunt earlier and, uh, you had a, fir your first fight with, uh, with Alaska was against Garrett Hunt, who was with Stockton at the time. Yeah. So yeah, Brent, I was kind of, I was kind of pissed when I got sent to Alaska. I was like, all right, in Bridgeport, they're going to send me to Alaska. Like mm -hmm. I had a five hour flight to Salt Lake and then a yeah. five hour, another five hour flight to Alaska. Mm -hmm. but I think that's where Brent was coaching before. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, when we're going to place, heading to our road trip, all the guys are like, "Yeah, this Garrett Hunt, like he took out our captain, like mm -hmm. he runs around." They had no no one to stand up to him, mm -hmm. and I was like, "That's fine." And mm -hmm. then we go to start the game, and I have a huge crack in my skates, <laughs> so I had a, they had a spare set of skates for me. I don't know why I had a pair, pair of extra skates. Maybe mm -hmm. they knew these were almost done, but I had to go into the game with a new set of skates. And I was in warmups, like this is horrible i can hardly move mm -hmm. but uh i knew i was gonna fight this guy again and i knew i'd be fine and yeah. he came down the boards and a little bit of a rub out i'm like let's go mm -hmm. and you know try and get the bucket off quick and start chucking halfway through he's like i'm done yeah and i'm like no we're not mm -hmm. just because of what he did to the team yeah that i i've, I've been there for like a week but those yeah. are my that's, those are my boys now right like, that's my team and I'll, I'll do anything for them and from what I heard of what he did before to the captain, I'm like, I'm not get, letting this guy off easy, and we're going to keep going until someone goes down and the mm -hmm. linesman come in yeah. and uh, kept going. Now, did was there anything in the warm-up where maybe you uh, shot him a passing glance or something like that where he kind of knew? I think he, he, yeah, he saw me in warm-ups and I was eyeing him up, and I think he knew what what was about to come and he remembers our, from our time at juniors and he yeah. was like a legend yeah. in Stockton. Mm -hmm. like, uh, tons of fights and 
Um, he was just loved there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he knew, and it happened pretty early in the first period that we ended up going at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, another fight I want to ask you about, no video. If there is, I didn't find it. Uh, another guy with Bridgeport ties, uh, Adam Huxley, who was with Vegas at the time. Do you remember fighting Huxley? Yeah, over in, yeah, remember him in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not a exciting bout, but I think mm-hmm. we had a, a pretty good grip on each other and maybe landed yeah. a couple other ones. But uh, was pretty cool to go play in Vegas for three three games and kind of never never had been there before and yeah. um, playing in the casino, walking through the smoky casino to get yeah. to the rink. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, not nothing to write home about that fight, but uh, I think he was in Seattle as well before. Before I was there, so mm-hmm. I was familiar with his name and and what he has done. Now, I want to ask you when we're when we're done with the season because you played with four teams that year, but you're actually on paper with a fifth team. Uh, that was the Greenville Road Warriors. You're actually loaned to Greenville for one game, but you had one game left on uh, on an ECHL suspension. Um, so, did you actually go to Greenville, or was that just a, a paper transaction? I did, and. Uh... Yeah, a buddy of mine, Brandon Wong, was there, and I was like, I think we kind of talked about it recently, like why I was there and why I didn't play. I was like, I think I was suspended. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I did. Yeah. Um, I was there, mm-hmm. so I think they were on the road. I, so when you go, I just had like a duffel bag and yeah. a tracksuit, mm-hmm. and I think at that time, because I wasn't playing much in Bridgeport, we asked for a trade, mm-hmm. um, and that's where it went to Houston. Okay. Um, that's how I got to Houston. Mm-hmm. Then I get to Houston, I have like a tracksuit and like a little duffel bag of clothes, like nothing really to my name and play one game, do okay. They had, uh, we played Austin, we played Texas Stars. They had a tough guy there, I can't remember his name, but I tried to fight him. He didn't say, he didn't want to. Um, then I talked to the coaching staff after the game and like when's the last time you played and it had been like six weeks for uh, quite a while before I played, had played like, okay, well, we're going to send you to, um, Ontario, Ontario, mm-hmm. Ontario rain in California mm-hmm. and get some games in. And we'll bring you back up. So I go down there and first game again, trying to make my presence, you know, Hey, this is what I, this is who I am going to mm-hmm. put on a, you know, I got your back. I'll I'll fight, and I wanted to you know show the fans, show the team, like you know what kind of guy I was. So first game, get into a fight, um, and not not the toughest of guys, but he didn't back down, and I switched to my left hand at one point and mm-hmm. go to the penalty box. They scored that game, and they got into a fight. He's like, I'm really hoping for assists now, and go to the penalty box, and I'm like, my hand, left hand, doesn't feel right and uh, don't play the rest of the game, go for an x-ray, comes back negative. So I'm like, okay, like, okay, let's go. We go, and then um, we end up going to Utah for three games, and my hand is just, like, I did practice for two days. Now we're playing. I'm, like, in between periods. I'm icing my hand in an ice, ice bucket to try and get the swelling down. Can't take a slap shot. Hurts to receive a pass. So after that, I went to the trainer. I was like, let's, let's, I know my hands. Like, I've been in a lot of fights. This isn't normal to hurt this much and nothing be wrong. And um, went in for another x-ray. And there's a little fracture and, uh, in my hand. 
So that blew my chances of getting back up with Houston because I think it was already February that time. It was a six-week injury or something like that. I got you. Maybe four weeks, four weeks at this time or something, yeah. While you were with Ontario, you played for, um, I would say, legendary East Coast Hockey League coach uh, Smurf, Jason Christie, who I would imagine had to just, well, I mean, I'm sure he wasn't happy that he got hurt, but he must have loved having you there. Smurf, yeah, yeah, Smurf was awesome. Like yeah. he loved that fight. Like mm-hmm. we played two more games against that team, mm-hmm. and uh, he just put me on the bench. Yeah, and it's like you're not playing, but you're on the bench. So I think you need five games to qualify for playoffs. It's like we got to get your games. Like mm-hmm. whatever happens. Like so we just sit on the bench. He's like just chirp the other team. It's like okay. <laughs> so I just like you hop out the other team and just sit yeah. on the bench. Um, I, I love that guy. I do. I love him. Yeah. Smurf, like another guy who loves, like, very fortunate to play for a lot of coaches that appreciate my style of, of hockey. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was, I could either keep playing, the doctor said, you keep playing, but you could, like, fully break your hand, and then you'd be out for a while, or you take four weeks. I think I'm in four weeks at this time when I went back for the ex- second x-ray, and you'd be back for right before playoffs. So mm-hmm. we made the decision to... Just sit out the four weeks and get a couple games in and then be ready for playoffs. And you actually, uh, it worked because uh, he wanted you on the bench and you ended up playing, what did I say here, three games in the playoffs? You had 16 penalty minutes. Uh, anything memorable from the playoffs there? Yeah, I think I just took, I think I got a 10-minute misconduct after a game. I think we were, yeah, we were like a highly ranked team. I think we lost the first round, so it wasn't, wasn't a good showing. I think just frustration after one of the games. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. So now this is really, even though this is towards the end of your career, I mean, this is really a tale. Your career is a tale of two parts, uh, the North American part and then the England part. And uh, first of all, I have to thank John Searson and uh, Hockey Fights UK uh, for uh, for uh, giving me a little information here and also sharing some videos and everything. Uh, what led to you signing with uh, Coventry over in uh, the uh, EIHL? Yeah, uh, so the agent, we were looking for contracts. I wanted to get back to the American League. I knew it was going to be tough after spending most of the time in the coast, and I probably would have stayed. I was getting some two-way contracts, AHL East Coast contracts from a few teams. Mm-hmm. Um but it was also the year of the lockout. Yeah. And you never know how long the lockout's going to last. And if the lockout's going on, but I know I'm going to be in the East Coast League. And I really wanted to be in the American League. And I got a call from an ex-teammate from Florida, um, Shay Guthrie. He was mm-hmm. playing in Coventry, England. And he's like, hey, would you ever come to England? I was like, oh, I don't know. I was just like, tell me more about it. And they had that year before uh, Brian Jernick who we mentioned before, who yeah. was in Kalamazoo, and I kind of had my way with him. And mm-hmm. he was their tough guy, but he was getting beat up over there. Mm-hmm. So we did some research of the um, the league, um, started talking with the owner slash coach at the time, and he, he was we were negotiating a bit. And I just thought, okay, this is my time um, to head over. I think it's... Um, Maybe my North American career could keep going on, but I think it's time for me to have some fun and uh, um, head over there. And they offered a fight bonus as well. So I was like, oh, I can't pass that up. Yeah. <laughs> so um, wasn't anything to like go out of my way to fight. Wasn't, and it was only at home. Right. 
but uh, it was a little bit extra cash in the envelope each week if I if I had a home fight and um, yeah, it's a great. Who knows where my career would went if I stayed? But mm-hmm. I definitely had a lot of fun, um, def- especially my first year mm-hmm. uh, when I was over there. Now, uh, the the person, the coach you're talking about is Paul Thompson, correct? And uh, apparently he wasn't, this is notes I have, he wasn't happy with the results of the previous season in terms of toughness, especially in dealing with Cardiff. Uh, is that sort of the uh, the angle he went with there, that he wanted the team to get tougher and, uh, you know, maybe Cardiff needed to be dealt with? Yeah, I think in Cardiff, yeah, I think they were just getting pushed around and then Jernick, as their tough guy, couldn't. Right couldn't handle the other team's tough guys. I don't know who Cardiff had at the time, mm-hmm. but, uh, and, and then Shay, my teammate who I played with in Florida, he's mm-hmm. like, we need you. Yeah. We need that type of guy who, who could play. And then you go over there. There's only at that time, I think 11 imports allowed mm-hmm. and the rest are Brits. So you're getting a lot of ice time too, which was, you know, a lot of fun. Hadn't had that much ice time. Um, since junior and maybe a bit in the East Coast League in Florida and Cincy, but um, always fun, you know, getting to play 20, 25 minutes a game. I was going to ask you about that because when I was watching a lot of the, the fights and just different highlights and everything, this seems to be the year, and I, I was wondering if it had to do with the fact that you were a regular, you were playing all this, all these minutes, it seemed almost like a different character came out. Like you were, you were like not the center of attention created by yourself, but you seemed to play to the crowd a lot and, and you liked being the villain. I remember years ago talking to Jared Burnett, we were talking about how he was beloved in Kentucky, but he loved going on the road and getting booed. And it just seemed like, and again, I think a lot of it has to do with playing time. You had the opportunity to do what you could do. And you were sort of a focal point of the team, maybe not the focal point, but you were a big part of it. And it almost seemed like, uh, is is rebirth maybe too uh, dramatic? Uh, I think maybe like in North America, you know, you're under the microscope of the NHL. Mm-hmm. You know, everything's pretty tame. You give your interviews, they're normal. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of showboating. Right. And um, I think it kind of came to with with Twitter. I never right. had it going over there. And one of the guys put out a tweet: if we get a thousand likes or something or retweets, Olson will join Twitter. And mm-hmm. that was already kind of a bit of a name at the time with a few fights. And yeah. and I think just you know I, I had some fun. And the fans over there, they if there's a big hit or the fight, they love it. Um, I ended up with the number one jersey sales my first year mm-hmm. over there because I was just fighting everybody and whoever I get my hands on. Yeah. Um, and the owners, I, they gave me a fight bonus for a reason mm-hmm. at home Yeah. where it attracts fans. I remember I would get tweets where a guy would write, going to the Coventry Blaze game, bringing eight of my mates, hoping to see an Olsen fight. <laughs> so people were coming to the games, bringing yeah. people, hoping to see me fight. Right. And something I used in my negotiations for the following year. Yeah. But, uh, and I think, yeah, and maybe it's maybe frowned upon in North America, mm-hmm. showboating, but over there it was selling tickets. And yeah. selling tickets means more money mm-hmm. and possibly more money for me the next year and trying to grow the game. And that's, 
And also, I think there's no one to no one to be at that year to be worried about on on the opposite teams. Uh, one thing I, I want to ask you about, just going back to the previous season, and maybe this played into you going overseas. Um, how difficult is it to play? for well be a part of five teams in a couple of different leagues uh, I don't know if you have uh, a family at that point but how difficult is that when you're being loaned and signed here and there uh, because I, I think for fans a lot of times we just see the on ice stuff but you guys are actual human beings and you're human beings with families and different things and now you're playing 10 games here 20 games here one game here how difficult is that it's tough yeah. um you're joining you're first of all joining a new system you're trying to meet the, the new team um you go with maybe you only have a duffel bag you bring with you you don't have your possessions um like the one time i went to houston yeah i just was on the road i was supposed to be down for i don't know not very long so i just had a little duffel bag with me mm-hmm. and i got traded so that's where i go to houston that sends me to ontario a couple of days later and that's still all I got. Um, yeah, it's very difficult. And I think that might have had a bit of it. Like, I'm sick of living out of my suitcase. Yeah. Um, let's go somewhere. It's going to be fun. There's lots of days off. You're in Europe. We're close. We're close to London. Like, Dublin's a 20-pound flight away. Um, and there was also a schooling package that guys have talked about that, mm-hmm. that goes on over there. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, just like I wanted, I hadn't been in one place since Seattle, Yeah. which when I was 20, um, every other year after that, I had bounced around a little bit mm-hmm. or a lot. And that, and then the lockout coming as well um, was the, I think the determining factor. Now um, starting the year um, in the preseason, with Coventry, you had uh, a fight. You renewed acquaintances with uh, Devin Didiomiti and two fights versus Matt Stevenson. Uh, Didiomiti was with Cardiff and Stevenson was with Sheffield. So it's just is this uh, just sort of introducing yourself to uh, the British fans? This is anyone I can get my hands on, mm-hmm. I'm going to. And mm-hmm. I, I know Deeds, I call him uh, Scrapper, so I know he's going to fight. And then mm-hmm. the Stevenson guy... I don't think he's much of a fighter and had my way with him. And I think that might've been the first time I had a little showboating Mm -hmm. um, after a fight and had some of their guys chirping at me, but I didn't really care. Yeah. Kind of went up and down the lineup of every team. And Mm -hmm. uh, there was a guy in Nottingham who was supposed to be the tough guy. And I was uh, Gillian Lapine or something. I was like, this guy Mm -hmm. is not that tough. And Mm -hmm. this is supposed to be the tough guy. Yeah. And I think we ended up with one or two fights and Mm -hmm. I was like, I think this could be a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, he's going to come up too. Uh, so just for, for the fans who don't really follow uh, hockey over there, uh, 46 games that, that season, three goals, 12 assists, uh, and 327 penalty minutes, which uh, which definitely led the league that year. So um, you had a fight versus Tristan Harper, and after the fight you flexed on the uh, Dundee crowd as they booed you. And I actually got goosebumps watching that because I'm like, that's got to be – like really cool when you're in the other team's barn and there's everybody in there and you're just flexing on them and you had a like I got goosebumps watching that like thinking how cool that must be like it's almost like you know you conquered you conquered the city you conquered their team and now you're letting them know yeah I think yeah now my name might be getting out at this point and him and Dundee and this guy was a bit of a scrum 
and he wants to come in there and yap or throw or throw punches, they hit. Nope, we're gonna scrap and don't give him a choice. And then you know, he I think he goes down. He takes a couple shots and goes down. And just want to let the Dundee crowd know that who's the man mm-hmm. in the house tonight, and that's yeah. me. You know, just having fun. And then yeah. the boo is like, maybe when I was in junior, I couldn't handle that. Mm-hmm. I couldn't handle fans chirping at me when I was in Seattle. But right. um, I'm a little more mature now, and I just fed off it. And I loved it, and because I, I knew when I went home to Coventry. Yeah. I was getting the opposite yeah. reaction, and that's that's who I was playing for. I didn't care what these these fans had to say, and and uh, I think I just had a lot of fun riling up fans, whether it was on the ice or a little bit of Twitter banter going back and forth. Uh, another guy you fought twice that year with Islanders ties. He was with uh, Sheffield, and that's Drew Fatta. Do you remember uh, fighting Drew? I remember. Uh, yeah, I remember playing against Drew. I remember one of the fights. Uh, is I, I know Drew. He was near, maybe near the end of his career, and I know mm-hmm. he didn't want to fight, and he had yeah. lots of fights in his career, but mm-hmm. not what he was there looking to do. But he just had a bunch of rats mm-hmm. on his team, yeah, who would whack and hack and slash me, and I would give it back to them. Mm-hmm. And while well, there leaves Drew, has to step in mm-hmm. and and fight, which I know he didn't want to, so I total a lot of respect for him and he probably um i hope he, he might have the same for me and he probably knew what i was doing and he had those teammates on his team that mm-hmm. led uh him having to fight me mm-hmm. uh okay so now we're getting into the uh, tom sestito territory and uh there was quite a bit of hype in the media for your uh first matchup now did they bring in Sestito because, as you just said, the Sheffield team had a lot of rats in the team, and uh, you know, like you say, Drew's at the end of his career. Maybe they didn't have a heavyweight, and you're apparently just running the league right now. So, uh, do you think that had anything to do with them bringing in Sestito? Yeah, I think there's just a few NHL guys like we had Matt Bolesky. I mm-hmm. think Drew uh, Drew Miller was playing over there. Bissonette was playing there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a guy that fits well in that league, mm-hmm. um, and probably helped their decision to, to sign him. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I was definitely ready to go once we, once we tangled with them. And, um, so like you said, like the, you compared the, the British league to the NHL and just the, what you're able to do over there and, you know, interviews and stuff like that. So. Back in the day, you go back to like Probert and Domi where you'd have like tail of the tape in the paper and even here on the island going back, you always talk about like Mick Vakoda and Ty Domi or Mick Vakoda or Aubrey. Ray. Um, not so much anymore, but uh, was this something that the media over in England, they would get really behind a potential matchup like you and Sestito? Yeah, I think uh, uh, social media maybe more than, I don't think the media was too big, but okay. social media type thing was mm-hmm. kicking off and and then I remember my time against Tom, um, and just what he says on the ice. I wasn't a big fan of him, mm-hmm. um, and I knew it would happen eventually, um, especially what I had been doing with two his new teammates that are now there. Yeah, um, that uh, it would happen eventually, and it. I think I think we fought once, yeah. but it happened uh, from what one of his players did, mm-hmm. uh, bump me or slashed me, and I did it right back, and then he stepped in. Um, but just kind of the, the type of team that was there, mm-hmm. mainly, I think a guy named Sean Limpright was always the guy mixing it up mm-hmm. and starting it all and having Fata or Sestito finish it for him. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> I'm laughing because I just I had a bunch of screenshots set, but I don't know I don't know what happened. But I did find your uh, your tweet to uh, Tom Sestito. It says tough start for Sheffield's tough guy in quotes, and uh, this is going back to uh, <laughs> drop your gloves when uh, they would have the wins and losses, and the losses were in red. So uh, it says, tough start for Sheffield's tough guy, Tom Sestito, who you tagged in the tweet. And it said, red looks good on his fight card. And uh, he has one win and two losses, including year one of the losses. And you also, uh, very technical of you here, having to co- combine two cards there in one graphic. Uh, your your fight card, which are all wins, except for one draw. So, uh, so is this something that I guess you got the better of him on the ice and – because there's sort of, uh, you know, you don't really care for the guy. You wanted to keep it going on Twitter. I, I think he he uh, took some shots at you too, also on Twitter. Oh yeah, he bit and he was coming right back at me. But it was more, this is the guy they brought in. Yeah. Uh, I still beat him up, and I think just to continue the rivalry and to get the fans going, and uh, you know, it was just you're over there. I had a girl uh, fiance at the time, but she wasn't with me, so there's a lot of a lot of downtime. We got to practice yeah. in the morning, and then it's like uh, Twitter kind of kind of took off. I don't know if that uh, was before I chirped their coach. I chirped their coach Ryan Finnerty on there once. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Not you. not yeah. shaking hands with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like well, that's just uh, if people aren't familiar with the league after every game, which is mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, there's a handshake, mm-hmm. and uh, later on we can get into something that happened at a handshake in Cardiff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, he didn't come out for the handshake because he lost the game and he was pouting. So I, I think that might have been what started it. And mm-hmm. Cito might have been there at the time, and that's kind of, I don't know, maybe that's how it started. Yeah. But, or, but uh, yeah, I just had, had a lot of fun with Twitter. And uh, the, the coaches, their owners never said anything about it because mm-hmm. they knew that was bringing in fans. And I had, like, over over 3,000 followers. Uh, yeah within a month of joining it. Yeah. Well, the British hockey fans are, are rabid. Like I think everyone associates the British fans with soccer, but, and obviously ho- hockey is not as popular as soccer, but the, the hockey fans, you know, I've, I've spoken to several guys who've played over there. The hockey fans that are into the teams, they're, they're just as rabid as uh, soccer fans are for their teams. Oh, for sure. I yeah. like there's sections of the arena where the away fans go. Yeah. Um, and the rest is for the home team, and that's in every arena, just like in soccer. Mm-hmm. Over there, there's a section. If you're an away fan, you're in this section. Um, and a guy I played with over there, Mike Shute, mm-hmm. my first year, he played all over Europe, and he came into England his last year, and that was his favorite season of hockey over in Europe. Mm-hmm. Just with the way they treated you, all the fans spoke English, and you could communicate with the fans after the game. We There's beers in the dressing room after games, uh, road games. If uh, Most teams would give you a 24-pack for the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they didn't, we didn't give it to them in Coventry. So there's a couple Scottish teams that didn't do it. Mm-hmm. But it was just like, it was more laid back. There was less games in North America, longer season, and uh, really enjoyable over there. Um, going back to Twitter, did you get chirped by uh, Ryan Hand's father on Twitter? 
Yeah, Ryan Hand's dad, which I thought was, if my dad hopped on Twitter and started chirping people, I would just like, I would call him right away. And yeah. I was like, this is embarrassing for yeah. me. <laughs> but yeah, his dad, I don't remember if you read it recently, you could fill me in. But yeah, his dad was coming at me. Uh, I don't know why. Ryan, uh, I don't even know if we ended up fighting. Um, but yeah, I don't know why or remember how or why he started chirping me on Twitter. But, yeah, I do remember that he did, yeah. and I did come back at him. Yeah, you did tweet something about, if that was my dad, I'd be so embarrassed. Yeah, yeah, well, there you yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so now, in an October game in Cardiff, you fought uh, Devin Didiomite again for the third time. And then something happened uh, in the handshake line with the Cardiff coach, I think, and it ended and it ended with uh, a Cardiff fan. Uh, can you take me through that whole scene? Yeah, so me and Devin had some good bouts already at this time. Um, I think maybe one of my first fights of the season was against Devin. It was just like a long, a long one. And I, um, going back to that fight, I did something I learned from John Morasti was have the guy I locked out and use your spare hand to kind of pump up the crowd. Mm-hmm. So I had, so I did that against them and then had a big celebration after. But uh, that was a home-and-home home game. So our first game was in uh, Coventry. And one of our guy was like 18 or 19, a Scottish defenseman, mm-hmm. kind of went into the boards with one of their players and their player got injured. Um, and then going around for the handshake after that first game, the coach goes to him. He's like, you're fucking dead. We're going to come for you all game. And he tells me, he tells the rest of the team, that's what the coach said. I was like, oh, that's not cool. Like, game's over. You're a coach. You shouldn't be talking to players like that. Mm-hmm. So we go to that next night in Cardiff, and I go through the handshake, go over to the coaches, and I stop, and I was like, don't you ever fucking – threaten one of my guys again, I'll shoot the puck at your bench or I'll slash you in the head. And then he grabs a stick from the bench and starts swinging it at me. Yeah. And then Diddy Omidy comes over. Uh, we fight. Uh, everyone's like a big scrum. Yeah. We kind of calm things down as the two tough guys. Mm-hmm. Um, have our whatever we do, fight. Mm-hmm. He gets taken off the ice from the linesman. I'm left on the ice. So I was like, oh, this is awesome. So I go, I start going around blowing, doing the Hulk Hogan mm-hmm. yep. hand wave to the ear, to the fans, and then start blowing kisses to them. Mm-hmm. And Diddy ends up coming back on the ice with no jersey, trying to fight me again. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, I'm not fighting you. You don't have a jersey on. Mm-hmm. So we would kind of dance around a little bit, and then the linesman escorts me off. And in Cardiff, it's, it was arena built for one year, mm-hmm. and they were supposed to build something new, and it had been there for like five years, and it was a dump yeah. and tiny. Uh, as I'm going off, there's not much security, and they're all watching the ice, and this guy comes at me, red face, starts swearing at me, and I, adrenaline's pumping, just finished a fight, and and what goes to my, my mind is fight again. Yeah. Put out my arm and like chuck a couple rights, and he backs up. And I go on my way to the dressing room. And what was that? I mean, was that all? Was that played up in the media after that? I think uh, that the f- uh, there was. Yeah, there wasn't much in the newspaper about hockey, yeah. but that was in the front page of the sports or something in Coventry and Cardiff. Mm-hmm. 
And the, the fan, I think, was banned for life. From, I mean, uh, the Cardiff team did the right thing. I think they banned him for life from the arena, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's what we heard over yeah. five years. But uh, apparently the next year he was allowed back in. Oh, okay. uh, not too sure. But the police, or the Bobbies, I think they call them over there, came. And I gave my statement. And they mm. just kind of, well, just, just for technicalities. But they were kind of laughing at it. And <laughs> kind of that area one off the ice is my area. If I left my area and went somewhere, yeah, uh, I could be in some some big shit. Yeah. But that was my area trying to get to the dressing room and he came in there, so it was all on him. And they, and he started chirping me on Twitter a little bit too. <laughs> so was it it wasn't like Slapshot where the cops came down to the dressing room after and knocking on the door like the Hansons <laughs> and say get Olsen out here, you know? I was well <laughs> they they asked for me. I yeah. was showering up, so I finished. Wait till I finished showering, and the coach was like, "Yeah, there's a couple of police are here waiting to talk to you." And I'm like, "Oh no!" I'm like, "I could be in like some real <laughs> shit here. I don't yeah. know what's gonna happen." Mm-hmm. But uh, they were all cool with it. They just wanted my statement and what happened. And there's obviously a, a cell phone video out there of the yeah. of the events mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, uh, a guy you mentioned already. Uh, over a one-month span, you had a trilogy of fights with Nottingham's Guy Lapine, and uh, I did find the tweet on uh, your uh, your tweet about him. Uh, never fought a so-called heavyweight in quotes so many times who just seatbelts a guy and goes for the takedown. Hashtag embarrassing. So uh, <laughs> I guess I guess he didn't impress you. No, like yeah, uh, no. Every time we fought, like the one video I can remember that's out there is like he. Yeah, we square up, and he ends up putting his head in my chest and, like, tries to take me down the whole time. Um, another one I can remember was along the boards. We, in tights, square up, and he's, just, like, grabbing on the whole time, not trying to chuck a punch. So I don't know what all the hype uh, was about him. Um, and that's kind of probably where the tweet came from, yeah. and trying to get the fans going, uh, <laughs> let them know, like, a new heavyweight was in town. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, you got suspended after an incident versus Brayhead. Was that uh, for the brawl after uh, the game had ended? That was, yeah. yeah. That was one of those um, trying to say, championship games or something, a different part of yeah. the league mm-hmm. in, the, in the first round when we're uh, – and uh, we were up like 2-1 with a couple minutes left or something. We're up with a little bit of time left and they end up getting a couple on us and winning and that's a big deal to the owners because that's a missed home game which brings in a lot of revenue right right. um and i think we just looked over and uh soupy uh was over there um mixing up with the whole team and Mm -hmm. so down i go and just start there's a guy robert farmer i think was the guy who was a British guy, he's a pretty good player, but really yappy. So I was like, it's my chance to try and get a couple shots on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then your last fight of the season was against Adam Keefe, who we talked about. Both have a ton of respect for him. Uh, do you remember what you guys did uh, around the middle of the fight? Uh, is that when we took our helmets off? Yeah, yeah. So tell yeah. everybody, because I saw it, but in case they didn't see it, it was actually a, a, a you know a cool thing to see, you know, respect uh, mutual respect for each other. So tell everybody what happened. Yeah, I think we, uh, I remember that because yeah. fans were really giving it to me because they would chirp me, say my helmet's glued on. I don't <laughs> take my helmet off, but 
Uh, I'm not willing to just take it off. It's right. there for a reason. I but I take the other guys off, and if they can't get mine off, well, that's their problem. Yeah. Uh, if we're not squaring up, mm-hmm. they're not going to square up me. But I think yeah, we just start chucking a couple, and when you hit a helmet and a visor, like it really messes with your hands. And mm-hmm. both of us, we must have just stopped, looked at each other, and a little head nod. Yeah. About hey, helmets off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and took them off and then continued away because I know punching a helmet is no fun for yeah. either of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you signed with Coventry, did you sign one year and then did you have to re-sign again the second year? Yeah, uh, re-signed. So before I left town, um, sit down with uh, Tomo there mm-hmm. and he was owner, coach, and uh, Paul Thompson. Yeah. Um, and they offered me, it was a slight raise. Yeah. Um, and he goes to me and I negotiate a little bit and I got more than what they first offered. And, and I just gave out like, I, Hey, I was like, like I mentioned these tweets, people are coming to see me fight. Uh, I was the number one Jersey sales. Like I sell tickets for you guys. Yeah. So I ended up getting, um, talk myself up more than what they had originally offered. Mm-hmm. And then he goes after we sign, he's like, just, he's like, because what you did this year, he's like, every other team is going to start bringing in tough guys for mm-hmm. the next year because of you. I was like, yeah. oh yeah. Okay. Tom, all like, I got know, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, they did like, mm-hmm. uh, like Nickerson, Matt Nickerson yep. came over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like, I think I maybe when Chris Frank came over, mm-hmm. um, they like Tim Spencer and Lee Salters. They were all all signed up for the next year, and he he was right because what I did to those teams, and you know, just had my way, had my fun with them. They had to they had to toughen up, and he was hundred percent right. Well, that had happened before. I mean, a friend of mine, Mike McWilliam, uh, he went over and played in Cardiff uh, years before that you played, and I think he terrorized the league. And then the next year teams are bringing in guys left and right. So, uh, so there was precedent set for that. So, uh, so there you go. I mean, it just goes to show what you did that first year there, uh, basically terrorizing the league and everybody realized how to get tougher. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then it continued like after I left, it got tougher and tougher. They started yep. bringing the X. Now the NHL is kind of going away from the tough guys and they're bringing in those NHL guys. And yep. it's just, I don't know what it's like now. I haven't kept tabs, but yeah. uh, for a while there, it was, mm-hmm. they were bringing in like the ex, ex-NHL guys. Mm-hmm. Well, that second year, um, 25 games, 122 penalty minutes, second on the team in PIMS. Uh, you had one preseason fight, three regular season fights, but then uh, your season was cut short. You had a, a broken finger, correct? Yeah, tough, tough season for me. Yeah. Uh, a couple fights at the start, mm-hmm. uh, which were fine, and then uh, – was we were on a five on three, uh, shorthanded. I would I wouldn't be on the power play for a five on three. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the shot like a slap shot, and I went down on one knee and it hit me right in the finger, and finished the play like a little scrum in front of that goalie covers it. I, I go off and I go to my show my trainer like oh, my finger like really hurts, yeah. so I don't play. There's like five minutes left of the period. I don't play. And I think we're in uh, Sheffield, mm-hmm. and so I go into their dressing room to their trainer's table that, where the doctor is. He's like, oh, yeah, it's uh, it's just dislocated. So I'm <laughs> sitting on the training table, and he starts reaping on it to try and pop it back in. And I was like, probably one of the most, the most pain I've ever been in, yeah. him trying to 
pop my broken finger back in that's not dislocated right. and possibly could have just been a fracture maybe he did more to it because by the time i got i went back and played yeah. uh the second period uh and then halfway through the third i played and then we were down a goal and i just go went to the coach and i was like i'm not useful out here right now like i can't help this out right and then got my x-ray and it was like a clear break like right. snapped right off Ugh and uh just never healed right mm -hmm. so out for i think i was out 10 weeks mm -hmm. and it was my top hand go back and play a couple of games might have gotten into a fight and it wasn't comfortable with it and after a couple of weeks go back to the they had pins in it mm -hmm. that they had removed go back for x-rays and the finger looked the exact same as the first x-ray oh shit so that's where I went in for a second surgery, and they sliced it open. I have a plate and a bunch of screws in that finger now. And came back by the end of the year, but uh, not the way I wanted my year to go over there in England, for sure. And uh, while you were out, you did some TV work. Uh, Premier Sports, I guess that's the, the big sports network over there, like uh, ESPN or TSN would be, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's one's the uh, program that was covering the hockey games. They, I think they're doing once a week. They're getting a weekend game going on over there. Now, are you a bow tie guy in general, or was that something that you just brought to the uh, brought to the program there? Uh, wasn't not North America. That was something that came about in England, just to get my personality up a little bit. Um, but I, yeah, everything in North America is just like by the book. Right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but over in England, yeah, I started wearing a bow tie, and mm -hmm. uh, they came to town. They offered me like 150 pounds to do the game with them. That's when I was injured. Coaches were okay with it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it went off and ended up doing a couple of games with them, and then doing some segments with uh, uh, Murph, mm -hmm. um, the the play-by-play -play guy. Where yeah. you know, we ended up doing a pretend fight on the ice, he mm -hmm. chirps my bow tie a little bit, yeah. and then we get on the ice and do a little fake fight. I think there might be some videos out there of that. Mm -hmm. um, and fans, they had guests, guests come on in all different arenas, and fans and the owners of Premier Sports really enjoyed me, yeah. and they brought me on to do the uh, World Championships games of the Great Britain ones. Oh, nice. I did That I didn't uh, know, so... Yeah, those were, I think it might have been Estonia or somewhere, somewhere I'd never been before. I was like, oh, this would be awesome to go there, call the games. Yeah. But they brought us to Dublin, which mm -hmm. was also cool, to the studio, and we're watching the game. It's on like a nine-inch square TV, <laughs> trying to read these numbers to the players, and we've got these old-school microphones. Like, wasn't what I was expecting. Yeah. But uh, they flew me and uh, my wife now at the time mm -hmm. over there put us up in a hotel for a week and did five games. We traveled Dublin uh, on our off days. We did some touring on buses and it was, and they paid me to go over there. It was just nice. awesome experience. Um, now you had signed to play back in the East coast league, I believe for the following year, but I read somewhere there were some issues with immigration. I wasn't sure if it was with you or with your wife uh, that prevented you from, from playing in the East coast league. Yeah. I was going to go back and play with Murph. Mm -hmm. uh smurf sorry uh yeah i think he was still in ontario okay. and my wife we she was now pregnant at the time and she's american mm -hmm. um and we had a immigration lawyer like trying to get her residency in british columbia mm -hmm. 
and it was a huge process like that last my last year in England she was doing a bunch of paperwork trying to get it going and he goes the lawyer goes to us you don't own anything over here you need to get a job in British Columbia or you won't ever get approved or something like that it's like well the Canucks aren't calling <laughs> and this was this and it wasn't just like on the spot okay we're done and yeah. we weren't even guaranteed she was going to get residency in BC and I wanted to play because my last year I didn't play much. It's not the way I wanted to go out. I was like, okay, one more. I'll go to the coast. You know, yeah. see what happens. Whether mm-hmm. I go up to the A yeah. and see what I can do. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. We had a good chat and where we want to go um, as a family starting and uh, decided to retire. But mm-hmm. found out later from some friends we met who work for the Canadian uh, Border Service. He's like, they, the lawyer can't say that. He just just doing that made his job easier um but that should have nothing to do with your immigration papers oh, so Jesus. now there is tough yeah. not the storybook ending uh you want to go out on mm-hmm. but uh you no know, living you now but retired and got yeah. a couple jobs and now a firefighter over mm-hmm. here in surrey british columbia uh, but you also do, um, you work with kids, right? Uh, hockey camps and, and things like that. You have your own, uh, hockey, is it a hockey camp company you do or a hockey school? Yeah, I got a hockey school. I got one coming up, uh, next Saturday. It starts July 24th in okay. Port McNeil. Okay. That's where I grew up. Um, so I go up there every year the past, uh, probably the past six or seven years I've been going up there. Uh, I do that. I go. First, I go fishing with my brother. He's got a fishing lodge, so if anyone listening is interested in uh, salmon, halibut, lingcod fishing, check out olisfishingcharters.com, mm-hmm. O-L-I-S, but that's my brother. Yep. Um, and he's got a law, fishing lodge out on the north end of Vancouver Island. So on Monday, I'm flying up there, uh, bringing my buddy, Curtis Fraser. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might remember him. He was a bit of a scrapper in the American League. Uh, I think he might have been with like St. Louis's farm system. Okay. Yeah, uh, middle middleweight middleweight type guy. Well, I'm so but, old. Uh, I remember the original Curtis Fraser, the guy that killed people with the Canucks. Yeah, no, it wouldn't be him. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I bring up, I bring him up. I got my cousin Clayton Stoner. Who's your cousin? Uh, yeah. So okay. we grew up in Port McNeil as well together. So he's going to come out for a day uh, with the camp, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, over here in the Vancouver area, yeah, I got uh, uh, something I call Olson Development. I've done a bit of self-defense with the older kids and then uh, work a lot with the defensemen, young defensemen mm-hmm. over here, and kind of just teaching them little things uh, that I didn't learn until I got to pro. Like, yeah. I think we mentioned this guy, Bud Holloway, before. Mm-hmm. Um, in one-on-ones in, in Seattle, he just beat me to the middle every time. And then I got to work with Jordy Kinnear, and he's like, move your stick, not right in front of you, move it over towards the puck. Mm-hmm. And then it was just little things that I didn't learn until I was 21, 22, yeah. um, teaching these 10-year-olds. And they they love it. The parents love it. So that just kind of just keeps me involved in the game. And, um, well, I wasn't the most, like, offensive type guy. I still knew how to play, play defense. And... Uh, fun teaching these young kids and watching them use those skills in the games and practices that you teach them. So, uh, Ben, I, I say, uh, always the first question is who are you, who were you as a kid? And, uh, my last question, uh, to every guest is, uh, 
did I forget anything in your hockey career? Did I not mention anything that you would like to mention? Yeah, I think you touched touched on everything. Um, uh, the England England part, I think, celebrating. I think one thing I wanted to talk about was when I fought Tyson Marsh, and I after okay. the fight, I gave the the heavyweight belt to okay. the fans. <laughs> I just wanted to let the home the home team know that because that was early on in the season. I wanted to let them know that. I was here, and I was going to make an impact. That's tremendous. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think you probably – that was a, a good chat we had. Yeah. I think you touched on uh, on everything. Uh, my last year, my second year, which definitely helped me in England, mm-hmm. I got one of those schooling packages. Yeah. So I was able to get my master's uh, MBA nice. over there. Um, was a guy named Mike Egner was yeah. – got sick before the year and he couldn't make it over mm-hmm. so they were offered Rob I took a little pay cut from what I had negotiated mm-hmm. but that definitely helped with being out of the out of uh, the game so much that season I was able to focus on school and mm-hmm. I just talked to one of the guys the British guy on the team and he was uh, also a professor at the University of Coventry and I was a bit nervous going in and he's like you want to be a firefighter but if you want to be a chief who else is going to apply that has an MBA probably yeah no one else so I was like all right and it definitely helped with my hockey school and the finance class with crunching numbers and break even and how if you want to make you know 5g how many kids you need and mm-hmm. no it's definitely a fun uh fun experience doing that well uh this has been really this has been such a treat for me like like i said uh beforehand like you watch the videos but you don't really get to know the person unless you get to sit and chat with them and uh like i said research researching this and some of the stuff uh, the twitter stuff and all the stuff from overseas uh you are every bit the character that uh that you that i thought you were going to be and uh you know i feel really good like i'm happy that you're healthy and uh you're a firefighter you're working with kids it's always good to see people succeed after the game because i know that's not an easy transition for a lot of athletes and it's, it's just really good to hear. And, uh, hopefully this isn't the last time we chat. And I just want to say thank you very much, Ben Olson. This has been great. Uh, I really appreciate your time. No, thanks for having me on. It was, uh, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect. This is my first <laughs> podcast, but I had a lot of fun and bringing back some good memories. Oh man, it was my pleasure. So, uh, so have a great night and, uh, we'll talk soon. Okay, appreciate it. All right, see you, Ben. Thanks again to Ben Olson for giving me all that time. Uh, you know, like I always say about these guys, you know, someone like a Trevor Gillies or a Mick Vakoda, Dean Ewan, I mean, I've known these guys for a long time, and the fact that they give me as as much time as they did, I, I am very appreciative of it. Uh, and those guys know me, though. I mean, they know me, and we've had a million conversations over the years. Uh, for someone like a Ben Olson who doesn't know me from Adam – but has listened to the show before he's listened to the Trevor Gillies episodes. Uh, it means a lot to me because, uh, Ben doesn't know me. And, uh, obviously I'm a fan of his, but, uh, to me, it means that I feel like I might be doing something right where, where these players will, will trust me to talk to them about their careers and, uh, you know, give me almost three hours of time on, on any given evening. So I really appreciate Ben giving me the time and, uh, I hope that it came through and hope that you people enjoyed the episode. I had a real, real good time interviewing Ben. And, uh, like I I said, I hope we keep in touch and, uh, and go from there. Do yourselves a favor. I, I don't, I don't think I gave the, uh, Twitter, uh, handle in the, um, in the interview, but you know, we reference 
his Twitter feed uh, a few times in the episode. Uh, ben is not very active on Twitter. His last entry was last October, October 20th, 2020. But go to at Benny Olson and just scroll down to the bottom because really it it, uh, it does give you an idea of the the character that was unleashed when he went over to England and what he was able to do, uh, really show his personality and uh, fan involvement and getting involved with uh, Sestito and Ryan Hand's dad. So uh, at Benny Olson on Twitter, definitely go, definitely scroll to the bottom and scroll your way up. It is a very, very entertaining Twitter feed. And, uh, you know, like I said, you could tell in the interview what kind of personality that Ben has. So uh, so really cool stuff chatting with Ben today. And uh, check out his Twitter feed. And, um, you know, like I said, if you're like he said, if you're in the area where his brother has his fishing company, uh, definitely hit up his brother. And uh, also, if you're in the Port McNeil area where Ben has his uh, hockey camp, I think that's where he said it was, I believe. Um, and if, if he didn't, then I'm an idiot. I'm recording this outro the following day. So, uh, but look up Ben on social media. He has his hockey camps for the kids. And, um, as usual, the enforcer is definitely taking care of the next generation. So, uh, so no surprise there. Uh, as far as next week, I have no idea. Um, I have again, sent messages to players. I have not heard back, so it could very well be a solo episode, but I don't know. There will be content in some form. I'm just not sure, uh, what form, whether it's a solo episode or whether I can get someone on the horn. Uh, but you know what? I have said that, uh, if this podcast starts to aggravate me or give me any sort of stress, I'm going to call it quits. I'm not at that point yet. So, uh, so there will be some content next week and, uh, that's it. So stay tuned, please. You people have a great week and stay safe.